I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Thin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to ThinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We've got sending shockwaves throughout the financial world. The FDIC takeover of Silicon Valley Bank, the second largest bank collapse in U.S. history. Customers are without their money. America's economy relies on a safe and sound banking system. We certainly are working to address this situation in a timely way. Our goal is to help them to become self-sufficient as soon as possible. That is the number one goal we have to allow these asylum seekers to become self-sufficient. We're going to move towards long-term housing and resettlement, including resettlement to pre-vetted cities and municipalities that welcome asylum seekers. Uh, We want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. Now this, this was a great movie right here. All of them, actually. This is uh, Christopher Cross, of course. When You Get Caught Between the Moon and New York City from the great movie Arthur. The late, great Dudley Moore. And the late, great Liza Minnelli. I mean, she's not dead yet, but she's close. And this was a great movie. All of them were great. Arthur, Arthur's theme, that was. So well, let me give you the answer now before you ask me. A bunch of times today, the answer is no. The answer is no. I know you guys are uh, busy looking at the charger behind the glass. Lewis, Justin, and Macedonia. Phil, Lewis, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm only going to say it once. Let me guess. I did not see the Oscars. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, we got the charger situation. The answer is no. Yeah. I didn't watch any of the Oscars last night. You missed a spectacularly 
boring show. How to be horrendous. I think I saw, I did see the Elvis movie, and uh, the kid Butler did a very, very good job. Excellent job. But um, it was just fine. I mean, I didn't, uh, wasn't like, oh my God, that was amazing. And I don't think I saw any other one of these movies. Now, I've told you the story about the whale a bunch of times, that way back when, my beautiful wife, Danielle, at Morrow High School in Brooklyn, was in charge of Sing. And Sing is a show these high schools put on at the end of the school year. And uh, it's a whole big production. You know, it's like a play. They've got music and acting. And they picked one male and one female to run Sing in Danielle's senior year at Murrow. She was the female, and the male was a guy named Darren Aronofsky. Darren, if you don't know, directed The Whale. He's also won an Academy Award. What was that movie, Swan? Black Swan. Black Swan. That's exactly right, yes. He's had a lot of pretty big movies. Requiem for a Dream was very big. The yeah. Wrestler was very big. Pie. Well, yeah, very good. Pie Mother. Yeah, all of those. Nice job out of you. So he did all those movies, and he did Sing with Danielle way back when at Morrow High School in Brooklyn. So he was up at the award last night. He didn't win. Uh, I didn't see The Whale yet. But I did see uh, some interview with Brendan Fraser in a cab when Gene drives me in. And it uh, looked like he did a great job. I just... yeah, that's got to be good. It's got to be it's great. It's got to be good. And yeah. it looks like he deserved the Oscar. That's all. When yeah. you do something that extreme, you should probably win. So what is the name of this movie that won Best Movie? It wasn't Rocky, right? Every No, it was, it was Rocky too. Yeah. What every, was it called again? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything, everything in every planet on every solar Wait, system. Everything, everywhere, all at once. What kind of stupid name is that? It's like a time travel movie or a multiverse movie. It's a time travel movie, something like that. But didn't you say the guy was talking about drag queens. Yeah, the the director of it during his. Are there drag speech. queens in the movie? No. Oh, you know this uh, Vicky Palladino. I don't know who she is. I know Joanne Ariola for years out of Queens. I've only met her once or twice, mind you. But when I started to pay attention to local politics many years ago, when I first came back to New York, I was invited to some Republican dinner in Howard Beach, Frankie Russo's place, Russo's on the Bay. And it was Joanne Ariola, Eric Ulrich, Tom Sullivan. That's where I met uh, the lovely Liz Pivko. And I think I've seen Joanne once since. I saw her this year Christmas time at Joe Murray's house. That is a Christmas Rockaway bonanza. But I think over the years she had this this war with this uh, Vicky Palladino. I don't know Vicky. I know Curtis Sliwa loves Vicky. But you can't trust Curtis as far as you can see him. So, But Vicky, talking about drag queens, she got kicked off some board or something this weekend because she said publicly that drag queens should not be reading stories to kids. And whatever I thought I knew, whatever I thought I felt about Vicky Palladino before is out the window. At this point, she's an American hero. A hero. You bet your ass having drag queens read to kids is unhealthy. What moron, besides my friend Margaret on Housewives of New Jersey, what moron thinks it's not? You want to hang out with these people? God bless you. I got nothing against them. You want to have, have them at birthday parties and adults, that type of thing, God bless you. But there is no reason to have these people because now it requires a whole new exclamation. And my little kid doesn't need that. 
She just wants to know about Snow White and the seven dopey dwarfs. Doesn't need to have another discussion about what is this person reading to her. It's incredibly unhealthy. It's disgusting and disgraceful. And again, I have nothing against drag queens. God bless them. Fantastic. Live your life. Live your life. But stay away from my kids. So Vicky Palladino is now a hero. And we may get her on today. I don't know. Now we'll have 19 drag queens standing outside 3rd Avenue this morning protesting the Sid Rosenberg show. Cool. Get some pictures. I only hope. Yeah. Pose for, the, yeah. for your site. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get them. Hold your book up with the drag queens. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I like mean, that. They, they can read your book for us. Right. First Kelly Ripper. Now we'll have the other uh, drag queens. Read Citizens United <laughs> later on today. Oh, be great. Sydney. <laughs> yeah. There is a chapter in my book about President Donald Trump. And the name of the chapter is The Donald. I'm very proud of that book, Citizens United. And talking about President Trump, you guys remember Joseph Tacopina was on the show on Friday. And my dear friend of 43 years is now one of Donald Trump's lawyers. And, in fact, Joe Tacopina speaks to Donald Trump just about every day. But you know how close we are, me and Tac? You know how much he respects the president? I have no idea. No idea. A month later, why he even hired him? Like, I don't know what Tacopina is working on for the president. I have no idea. He's never said to me, well, this case or that case, never asked. He's never told me. He takes that stuff very seriously, obviously, and I don't, I don't ask. All I know is President Trump really likes him, and he's attorney for something, and they talk almost every day. So Friday, Takapina was on the show, and we talked a lot about this bullcrap indictment, which Alvin Bragg, that fat loser, Manhattan DA, is working on up here in New York. In fact, uh, I've got audio of Alvin Bragg on MSNBC with Al Sharpton. They should just uh, call that show the Racist Hour. Two nasty racists, Alvin Bragg and Al Sharpton. And they talked about this investigation. <laughs> That's got to be a great show. Oh, you can't make it up. <laughs> Two of the worst people God ever created. <laughs> Alvin Bragg and Al Sharpton. <laughs> so here it is. Here's our cut number two. Then I'll get back to the Trump Tacopina point. Alvin Bragg on MSNBC with Al Sharpton Lewis. Cut number two. So whatever happens, whether there's an indictment or not, you're going to look at the basis of what comes out in terms of how you judge it to the law. It will not be politics, whether it's one crowd or another, you're going to go straight down the middle. That, that's how I've been doing it for 20 plus years. And I was, you know, a public corruption prosecutor, federal and state, and whether it was Democrat, Republican, <laughs> independent, a former district attorney we prosecuted, an FBI agent, a mayor, a deputy mayor. So you have no fear of going after people with big titles, even if they were president, and you have no fear of not going if we follow the facts. Doesn't matter what party you are, doesn't matter your background. Yeah, right. What did you do, and what does the law say? I mean, liars. I got more on this potential indictment. In fact, we'll play these two more, then I'll get to my Trump point. Michael Cohen, who, of course, was Trump's attorney. Let me remind everybody, Michael Cohen is a convicted felon. He spent time in prison, Michael Cohen. Why would you ever, in a million years, take anything he says seriously? But to reporters last week, Michael Cohen, much like Al Sharpton, applauded the DA, the fat loser, Alvin Bragg. Cut number three. I have to applaud um, 
district attorney Bragg for giving Donald the opportunity to come in and to tell his story. Now, knowing Donald as well as I do, understand that he doesn't tell the truth. Okay. It's one thing to turn around and to lie on your untruth social. It's another thing to turn around and lie before a grand jury. Which so is- I don't suspect that he's going to be coming. Right. Again, convicted felon. And finally, the worst governor in the history of New York. She may be worse than Cuomo. And Cuomo killed 18,000 people. He literally killed 18,000 people. He is a mass murderer, Andrew Cuomo. And I'm still not sure he's a worse person than Hochul. And by the way, not nearly as corrupt. And he had the Buffalo Billions. He should have gone to jail. Hochul far and away the most corrupt governor I've ever seen. But that didn't stop her from applauding Alvin Bragg and calling Trump corrupt. Kathy Hochul, cut number four. The uh, district attorney must have the evidence necessary to be pursuing this way he is. And I have confidence in his ability to bring Donald Trump to justice. This is a is occurring in so many courts and so many venues because basically he's been a, he was a corrupt president. Oh, please and stop so it. I, I encourage the uh, district attorney sure. to pursue all yeah. means possible to bring yeah. this individual to justice once you and for all. Bitch. He was a corrupt president. How about those Buffalo Bills, Kathy Baby? How about those Buffalo Bills? So anyway, so uh, Takapina was on on Friday talking about this ridiculous potential indictment, and it turns out that one President Donald Trump was listening to the show. Now, how do I know that? Well, it's none of your business. But I did happen to see a text. And <laughs> President Trump texted Takapina after the show on Friday, and it read like this, Joe, just listen to your interview with Sid, who, by the way, is a fantastic guy, and he put fantastic in caps. Oh, that's why you're emphasizing it? Yes. Great interview with great in caps. And here's the finale, the big one. Say hi to number one Sid. And then uh, Tacos, thank you so much, Mr. President. That means a lot. Sid would kill to have you on, by the way. He's a huge supporter. And I have no idea if Trump answered that. That was Friday afternoon. But one more time, President Trump to Joe Tacopina, quote, just listen to your interview with Sid, who, by the way, is a fantastic guy. Fantastic in caps. Great interview. Great in caps. Say hi to number one Sid, President Donald Trump, to Joseph Tacopina. Uh, thank you, Mr. Trump. So we're working on getting President Trump on the show, hopefully sometime this week. Mayor Eric Adams on the show today. That's coming up at 840. And there's a whole bunch of stuff to discuss with Eric. I know a lot of you were just crazed over the free college up in Sullivan County for the migrants. We will get to that. We'll get to that. So Adams coming up at 840. But another major story now has the U.S. government stepping in after two banks collapsed this weekend. Silicon Valley is melting as we speak. Now, I don't believe we've got a guest today working on both Monica Crowley and Anthony Scaramucci for tomorrow's show. But this is a major story. It'll gain legs as the week moves on. And it could turn out to be an economic disaster for this country. So keep your eye on that. If I can get somebody on later on this morning, I will. If not, I promise at least one, if not two guests, Coming up tomorrow. Again, the U.S. government has stepped in after two banks collapsed this weekend. Silicon Valley is uh, freaking out. They're calling it a financial 
failure, this just ahead of all these guys on this show, whether it's been Ron and Santa, Monica Crowley, Larry Kudlow, or Charlie Gasparino, all predicting we're on the really the doorstep of a recession and now two major banks collapse. Keep your eye on that one. My good buddy Brian Kilmeade was on on Friday, too. He talked about this interview he did for his show One Nation, which airs Saturday nights on Fox News with Florida governor and potential 2024 candidate going up against President Trump, Ron DeSantis. So I did watch that on Saturday, and it was good. Here's some cuts by DeSantis and Brian Kilmeade. Actually, this one is DeSantis on Fox News with Maria Bartiromo, and he's talking about the Fed ruling where Joe Biden violated the law. Listen to this. Ron DeSantis with Maria. This would be cut number nine just this weekend. The ruling basically says is that Joe Biden's been violating the law, his oath of office, and the Constitution. They are using this idea of parole, and they are converting it into a way to nullify our immigration laws. That's one of the reasons you've had millions and millions of people illegally pour across the border Biden then paroles them, and then they get released into our communities. And so in Florida, uh, you know, we have had to, had to deal with it. But I tell you, Maria, we also have to deal with uh, boats coming from Haiti and Cuba. And the Coast Guard does a great job, but Biden doesn't give them enough resources. So we're actually under a state of emergency in Florida uh, for the, the Florida Keys area. I've surged state resources. We've been able to bring those boats to a trickle. We haven't seen as many. Uh, and we've been able to help the Coast Guard repatriate 11,000 illegals just since August. So you see the impacts all over. This is going to have national implications because this should apply nationwide and should force them to have to uh, to change their policy. Agreed. Here's Ron DeSantis now with Kilmeade talking about Donald Trump calling him names the last couple of months. DeSantis with Kilmeade, courtesy of Fox News, One Nation Saturday night on the name calling by President Donald Trump. This is cut 13. President Trump come out and try to label you as a Paul Ryan, Jeb Bush type of Republican. Uh, And are you worried about being defined because you're governor and you're not a candidate yet? So when you have a record of achievement, uh, people can call you a name, but that's not going to trump the achievement. And so we built a, a astounding record of achievement. The best is yet to come. I'm defined by my accomplishments. I'm defined by leading this state. And I'm defined by having a state, which is the number one destination for Americans who are looking for a better way of life. There you have it. Ron DeSantis still refusing to go back at Donald Trump. Okay, big guest list today, Curtis Sliwa. He's going to stop by at 7.05. Which Lowry, always great on a Monday morning. He'll be here at 7.40. The DA in Suffolk County, Ray Tierney, I like this guy. He'll be here at 8.05. And the mayor, Eric Adams, showing up at 8.40. Plus, maybe Ron and Santa on this bank collapse. So a lot going on today. Noam's Nuggets. And, of course, a big sports weekend. The Knicks get a win yesterday. And we've got March Madness. The brackets are all set with the four number one seeds. All that and more. The number one show in New York City. That's me, Sid and Friends in the Morning, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. If you have.
had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabulaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabu Law, where winning is no accident. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. song desire it is adam clayton's birthday today he is the i guess he's guitarist bassist you got larry mullen jr on the drums the edge is the lead guitarist bono of course the lead singer adam clayton does a great job for this band 626 on your monday morning mr cnbc ron insana will in fact join me coming up in about 15 minutes Talk about this uh, Silicon Valley bank collapse. Two banks collapsed this weekend. Janet Yellen on record saying the federal government will not, will not bail out the Silicon Valley bank. In fact, here is Janet Yellen on Face the Nation yesterday, courtesy of uh, Channel 2 CBS, talking about this Silicon Valley bank collapse. Lewis, this is cut number 14. Well, let me say America's economy relies on a safe and sound banking system that can provide for the credit needs of our households and businesses. So whenever a bank, especially one like Silicon Valley Bank with billions of dollars uh, in deposits, fails, it's clearly a concern. Um, from the standpoint of depositors, many of which may be small businesses, uh, they rely on access to their funds to be able to um, pay the bills that they have, and they employ tens of thousands of people across the country. We've been hearing from those depositors and other concerned people this weekend. So let me say that I've been working all weekend with our banking regulators to design appropriate uh, policies to address this situation. I can't really provide further details at this time. But what I do want to do is emphasize that the American banking system is really um, safe and well capitalized. It's resilient. You know who's on MSNBC talking about this right now? Jen Psaki. And when I look at Jen Psaki, I realize just how stupid 
Kareem Jean-Pierre really is. Because say what you want about Saki. We hated her. Bernie hated her. We are coming to you live this morning from the Bernard McGurk Studios. But she was smart, man. She was really good at her job. Talking about Bernie, you know, yesterday I actually spoke to Bernie's son, Brendan, because Colin Bernard McGurk was born, what is he, about um, a month old at this point, Lois? About a month? Yeah, that sounds right. So yesterday Danielle went online and bought a whole bunch of cute clothing for little Colin, but we had to get an email address from either Carol or Brendan or somebody, and Carol wasn't answering me back, so I reached out to Brendan, who I very rarely spoke to, mind you, in all the years I've known Bernard, but Brendan got right back to me. We had a great conversation, so uh, little Colin going to get a new pair of shoes from the Rosenbergs, so um, congratulations again to Brendan and Jessica and Melanie and Carol and the whole crew and Bernard up in heaven on little Colin Bernie McGurk. Talk about up in heaven. Last night, nothing to do with banks, nothing to do with migrants going to college in Sullivan County, nothing to do with Ukraine, Russia. But last night at the Academy Awards, which I did not watch, talking about uh, folks who passed away, they do this thing every year. It's an in-memoriam deal, you know. And last night, John Travolta did it. And you guys know how much I love, I love me some John Travolta. Love him. Two of my favorite characters of all time, Tony Manero, Saturday Night Fever, and Danny Zuko, Greece. I even loved it when he played that guy in Urban Cowboy. I forgot his name. But regardless, I love myself some JT. So he did it last night because I guess I didn't see it. He started by talking about the passing last year of his partner in Greece, and that is Australian superstar, Olivia Newton-John. She died last year. And uh, they went through a whole list of people who died. I don't know who they are. But the New York Post this morning points out the people who they did not mention. Which is every year. Every year. There's big names. Yeah. Like, for example, (laughs) Bernard McGurk. They didn't mention him. No. No. But he was never in a movie. But he was was here. So that's a horrible snob out of the uh, Academy Award, folks. On a serious note, they did not mention Big Paulie, Paul Servino. No, no Paul Servino. I saw that. They did not mention Anne Hesh. Yes. She was in a lot of movies, Anne Hesh. But they, I think the justification, they have them up on the website. I think that that's just, oh, okay. just so you know. that. But they should have been mentioned. They did not mention. How do you not mention Paul Servino? Paul Servino. I mean, Goodfellas. They didn't mention Tom Sizemore. No? Okay. He just died last week, but he did a lot of good stuff, including he was great in Saving Private Ryan. And the one that really pissed me off was they did not mention Tony Sirico, a.k.a. Paulie Walnuts. Again, not good. That's a huge miss. Yeah, these are big names. These are big names. Right. I don't know. I didn't watch it, so. I tried to get uh, Phil to cut it up this morning, but he was so disinterested. Agonizing? He was, like, complaining the whole time. Was that bad, Phil? That's not at all what happened. Not even close. That's exactly what happened. No, it's not. I'm I like, had... could you cut up Travolta, Olivia and john You're like, eh, it's not that good. Uh, no, I, I told you he didn't mention her by name. You said, I don't want it. I did say that, I yeah. I said, you want me to get rid of it? You said, yes. And I said, okay. But you didn't seem, it was, you seemed bored by it, no? Well, putting, pulling cuts could only be so interesting. Yeah. You want me to just be cheering while doing it? <laughs> I don't know. This is good stuff, Sid. Yeah. This is really good stuff. You know what's coming on the show on Wednesday? You ready for this? No. Kendrick Perkins. 
I'm not ready for that. So I sent Art Sears a text. I said, listen, just so you know, the last time I mentioned Kendrick Perkins, he was fighting back and forth with J.J. Reddick on ESPN about how the voters are racist because there's no other way to explain white people like Steve Nash and Larry Bird and Dirk Nowitzki winning MVPs. And I said to, to Art, I said, listen, that's racist. And I'm going to say it to Kendrick. So you may want to prepare him that this ain't going to be a, um, a lovey-dovey type of interview. I'm not going to be disrespectful. I never am. And I always want the guy to come back. But I'm going after him hard on that one because he, uh, he says stuff like that all the time. And in this memoir that he's promoting Kendrick Perkins, what's the first word they talk about he promotes? Race. Nice. Yeah. Something Isaiah Thomas mentioned a long time ago, too. What did he say? Well, he said about Larry Bird. He said Larry Bird was black. He'd just be an ordinary player. Is that what he said? Oh, he definitely oh, said Isaiah. it. I remember he's it. Another he's idiot. The beginning of his jag idiot. time. He's yeah. such an idiot. <laughs> he really God, is. A tool among tools. Yeah. Above. Ugh. Well, he hasn't canceled Perkins yet, but should I cancel him? Phil, what do you think? I think it'd be fun. You think so? Yeah, you could turn it into a good opportunity. To do what? To, you know, expose someone. You for... see, you care about this type of stuff. I don't. Care about what? Like, oh, they're going to mention me on First Take or ESPN? You don't care about that? No. No. I hate all those people. I hate the whole generation of young sports fans. Don't talk to me about war or some stupid NFL stat or what they say on ESPN the New York Times has a whole story on Mike Trout on Friday. These are idiots. Everything is war. It's all. Oh, don't that. want to hear about it. <laughs> don't want <laughs> to hear sad. about it. Look at the war numbers. Right. There's one war I care about right now. That's Ukraine-Russia. And I barely care about that. Yep. Barely. <laughs> let alone war in a baseball stat. My God. Jeez. <laughs> it's just made up. Right. It doesn't even. That's why, thank God, guys like Chris Russo and Joe Beningo and they're still around, and I can have really good, hearty baseball conversations with those types of guys. Those guys actually saw Ted Williams play. Then uh, these kids today. What? He's got great war numbers. He won three MVPs on an Angel team that wins about 40 games a year. What a disgrace! Hasn't played one big game in his career. Has no idea what it's like no. to step up with the bases loaded, two out, with the World Series on the line. But he gets big hits. No, he doesn't. Never has. Nope, nothing's Never. Big, nothing's bigger than Reggie Jackson. Three pitches. Three different pitches. Three different pitchers. Yeah. Three yeah. pitches. In the 1977 World Series against the Los Angeles Dodgers, can you name those three pitchers? One was Charlie Huff. Correct. Charlie Huff, I don't know if you realize this, very famous knuckleball pitcher. He was one of those three Dodger pitchers. He pitched the very first game ever in the history of of the Florida Marlin organization. He was their opening day starter when the Florida Marlins played their first game. And I was there for that. So, Who are the other two? Um, Bert Hooten. Yes! Okay. There's no way you'll get the third one, unless you look it up. I'm not looking up. A lot of people say Jerry Royce it wasn't. But you're right, it was Bert Hooten. I remember you asked me this years ago, too, and I think I said Bob Welch, and that was wrong. It wasn't him either. I'm going to say Don Sutton. No, No, it was a guy named Elias Sosa. Elias Sosa. Yeah, there you have right? it. Right, where they named the uh, the Sosa uh, Elias Bureau after. That's, That's exactly right. Yes. right. That's him. Sure, That's go with that. Yeah. yeah I am. So- <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't crush my dreams. 
We've got uh, traffic and Ron and Santa on this major bank collapse coming up next. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to my main man, John Katsimatidis. It's the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis, where common sense prevails every Sunday morning starting at 8, always telling both sides of the story. Here, John talks with former governor and maybe getting back in, maybe running against Kristen Gillibrand. Him and Cuomo? We'll see. Here's our guy, David Patterson. And I read a speech that was made on May 8th, 1963, 60 years ago, by President John F. Kennedy. And if he wrote the speech right now, it would be so apropos. He talks about Russia. He talks about places Russia is taking over. And he strongly says that when American interests are threatened, we have to move and move decisively. Now, he was the president when he made this speech. I just find that interesting right now because during the week, as you know, there was a tremendous attack, the worst yet in the war in 14 months now on the Ukraine. And at some point, we've got to decide whether we're half in, half out or or in. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers. The Knicks got back on track yesterday with a road victory, holding off the Lakers in Los Angeles by a score of 112 to 108. With the win, the Knicks snapped a three-game losing streak and still sit comfortably in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They'll try and keep it going at the Garden tomorrow night when they welcome in the Portland Trailblazers in Denver. The Nets kept pace with the Knicks with a win of their own, beating the Nuggets 122 to one. 20 up next for Brooklyn is the conclusion. What's up? The whole banking system is falling apart. <laughs> Who cares about the Denver Nuggets <laughs> oh, or the well, Brooklyn Nets? Yeah. You just lost how many millions in Silicon Valley? How many millions? Uh, me? None. I, I don't no. have any I don't have any money anywhere. Oh, you so. don't? Yeah. Let's talk about the Nets. All the money I have is in uh, my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a bank? I got a pocket. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I feel exactly. It's, it's in uh, my I got news for you. I'm not that much different than you. <laughs> I swear to God. All the money, in fact, is not even in my pocket. Somebody else has it. Well, I'm scared to use a credit card because I can't pay off the debt. So right. I don't use a credit right. card. So the only I only use my debit card, and that's my money. So I see these stories like about you know Bankman Freed and Wall Street's going to open despite the banks closing. And I'm like, who lives in this world? Yeah. Who are these people? I don't know. You know, my paycheck comes. It's okay. It's not great. It's okay. And it's not like 800 bucks in a day. One day. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> And for you, at hundred bucks is like you could live on that for a month. Oh my god! I, I know. Are you kidding? Oh, stretch it. That's yeah, it. I know. Okay, I'd slice of bu- pizza too. I know. <laughs> I'd be buying tables for all of uh, all of New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Here we go. Back to the hardwood here. Up next for Brooklyn is the conclusion of their five-game road trip. Come tomorrow night against the Thunder in Oklahoma City. Over to the ice now, where the Rangers fell three to two in overtime to the Penguins in Pittsburgh. A late surge from the Blue Shirts, ending with a Chris Kreider goal that was good enough to force the extra period. But a power play for Pittsburgh set up Chris Letang for the winner. Just under two minutes into overtime, and the Rangers take the loss back home. We'll welcome in the Washington Capitals tomorrow night. We did have a winner last night on the ice in your New Jersey Devils, who blinked the Carolina Hurricanes 3 to nothing on home ice to win. Pushes the Devs into a first-place tie with Carolina in the Metro Division, and second-place tie with the Canes in the entire Eastern Conference. They'll welcome in the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night to see if they can keep on rolling. And Selection Sunday has come and gone ahead of this year's NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Alabama is the top overall seed, securing the honors over Kansas, Houston, and Purdue, each of which being rewarded with one of the three remaining number one seeds. Action in the 68-team tournament begins Thursday, uh, tomorrow with two games in the first four. March Madness, though, gets into full swing Thursday and Friday with 32
two games spread over eight cities. Here was sports. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Um, the president's budget took my breath away. Um, his numbers are extraordinary. We're going to run out of digits here. It's a $6.9 trillion budget, $4.7 trillion in new taxes that will affect everyone over 10 years, $18 trillion in new debt, a cut to defense. The president says that his budget will solve our financial problems in Medicare and Social Security. That's not true. Uh, Anything seems possible when you don't know what you're talking about. The Wall Street Journal just reported that the president's budget will will add eight, rather $11 trillion in a financial shortfall to Social Security and Medicare. Uh, the only way I know how to improve the president's budget is with a shredder. Oh. All right, that's uh, John Kennedy out of Louisiana. The only way I know how to improve Joe Biden's budget is with a shredder. My next guest knows an awful lot about this stuff, probably the most of anybody out there anywhere. Dear friend of mine for the better part of 25 years, Mr. CNBC, Ron and Santa. Ronnie, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm doing fine. Uh, a little, little concerned about the current state of affairs, but doing fine otherwise. How are you? Well, I'm glad you are. I'm doing great, thank you. I want to get to the bank collapse, but I do want to start with this, what uh, Kennedy just said about the president's proposal. Again, upwards of $7 trillion. Kennedy says, despite what the president is telling you, it helps nothing, not Social Security, not Medicaid, nothing. It's just another big number added to an already $32 trillion deficit. Is Kennedy right? Is Biden right? Ron and Sana, who's right? Oh, gosh. You know, said the budget's going to be that size no matter who proposes it. I mean, it's, it's, not, like, <laughs> it's not like anybody's cut the budget in the last uh, 40 years. The, the budgets have gotten bigger each and every year under each and every administration. So, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I don't spend a lot of time on a budget that I know already is dead on arrival. Uh, it's not going to pass the House. It can't pass the House, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some modifications even in the Senate. Um, but, look, I mean, it's it, you know, this is going to be a, a long negotiation between uh, House Republicans and, and, and Democrats in the Senate and the White House. And so, you know, we could pick apart all the small pieces of it. I, I don't know. Look, I'm not in favor of some of the tax increases that they've proposed within the budget itself. Some of them don't make sense. Some of them are very, very hard to administer. Um, but I don't think you're going to see a smaller budget per se than anything that's currently being proposed, unless you were to cut Social Security, Medicare, and defense spending and the interest on the national debt, because those are the four biggest categories uh, in the federal budget. Discretionary spending is a rounding error. All right, let's get to the biggest story today, and that is the Silicon Valley Bank shut down by regulators on Friday. The largest bank failure since 2008, one of two banks that we lost uh, just a couple of days ago. To the average person, you just heard Justin Ellick, he's got like $9 in his pocket 
they don't even know what that means. I mean, to be honest, Ron, when you start talking economics and banks and figures and stock market, this has been your life. Guys like Gasparino, Coman, Scaramucci, Larry Kudlow, Stuart Varney, that's your life. But to the, the majority of the American public, they have no idea what the hell is going on and what this means to them. I always try to make it uh, to what it means to them, the average guy on the street, not the millionaire with tons of money in a bank in Silicon Valley. So tell me for starters well, actually, here. They're, they're probably, <laughs> I was about to say the millionaire with uh, the tons of money at Silicon Valley Bank is probably more exposed than the average American is right now. No, they probably are. But, but, but starting right here, why did the regulators shut the bank down? Well, a lot of reasons, uh, but the, the principal reason was Silicon Valley Bank in particular, which was the 16th largest bank in the United States, and it's seen a massive inflow of deposits from all these financial and other technology startups that had raised a lot of venture capital money. They put effectively a lot of their capital in the bank, and as as we know, each account that anyone holds is insured, at least up until yesterday, up to $250,000. There were a lot of companies that had an extraordinary amount of uninsured money in Silicon Valley Bank. Now, they started to run into some trouble because they had a mismatch between the amount of deposits that they had, which are considered liabilities. A deposit's a liability on a bank balance sheet because you can always take that money out. A loan is an asset, or if you buy bonds and hold the cash in bonds, those are assets. The bond portfolio of this particular bank declined in value rather substantially, and that created a real balance sheet problem for the bank. And then suddenly, a couple of major players in the venture capital world, like Peter Thiel, told their portfolio companies, the companies they've invested in, to pull their money out of the bank. This is like, it's a wonderful life except it could be done with the touch of a button. All these different companies pulled the deposits out, and that basically created a run on the bank. And now there are concerns that there are other banks similar to Silicon Valley that are smaller regional banks might see similar runs. And so over the weekend, the Treasury, the Federal Reserve, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said they will make all depositors whole. Now, stockholders, bondholders are going to get killed in all of this. But depositors will get their money starting this morning, which was a peer on Friday, that that simply wouldn't happen. When you say stockholders and bondholders are going to get killed on all this, what do you mean exactly? So if you own shares of Silicon Valley Bank or if you own shares of Signature Bank or if you this morning shares of First Republic are down 70 percent, another regional bank that uh, had some exposure to areas or had maybe potentially, I'm not saying that they do, potentially or perceived to have similar problems. If the stock goes down, nobody's coming in to bail out your stock market holdings in these banks. No one, if you're a bondholder in these banks, in other words, if you've lent money to these banks yourself, you're not going to be made whole. The only people who are going to be made whole are the depositors. And the Fed created a new facility in which all depositors will be able to take their money out as normal starting this morning. So this is on the bank. Basically, this is not an economic indicator of something horrible happening. This is on the bank, or is it? Yes and no. I mean, the the concern with events like these, and and the first one that I experienced when I started my career was Continental Illinois Bank, which in 1984 was the fourth largest bank in the United States. It failed and was ultimately taken over. It did not cause a systemic failure like we saw in 2008, where all the bankings, all the banks and the entire banking system itself was at risk. We think that's the case here, that there's not that type of risk that could spread to the entire banking system, which is why 
the Fed, the Treasury, the FDIC, and other institutions are stepping in forcefully to make sure that people are calm, they don't, there are no more runs, and that the system itself remains fine. Big, big, big banks are generally perceived to be safe and can withstand stresses. The markets are going to be very nervous yeah. for maybe a couple of days about whether or not this is a broader issue. So, so, right for, now, so for my guys, like they're stemming the tide. Yeah, my guys, for example, we're on Third Avenue here, okay? They've got their money yeah. in Wells Fargo, Citibank, yeah, yeah. Chase. They're fine, right? No issues. Well, yeah, don't, don't, don't go running to the ATM and trying to pull out money. It's not necessary. And, and the Fed effectively now has a facility in which all deposits in the entire banking system will, will effectively be backstopped. They've taken the, the deposit limits off. So if you have more than $250,000 in the bank, you'll be able to get it. They've basically lifted, lifted the cap on deposit insurance so that their people will be calm and will not kind of move to just, you know, shove their money into a CD or do something else that would take it away from the banks that currently hold it for you. Janet Yellen was on Face the Nation, and I couldn't yeah. tell Ron and Santa if she was there for the depositors, if she was more worried about how we would receive, you know, the, uh, the Federal Reserve. I, I couldn't tell exactly what side she was on. Can you tell me? She's on the depositor side. I mean, look, they can't let this get, get get out of control. She's been around a long time. I mean, you know, we had she was around as, as in the Clinton administration uh, when we had the tech bubble burst. She was she's been around through uh, the great financial crisis. She's been doing this quite a long time. But look, the, the main interest here is making sure that depositors are whole. If there's a big argument about whether or not you bail out stockholders and bondholders of specific institutions, that's not going to happen this time around. So that's, that's what she, she was yet, saying. No. That basically, okay. So we're we're going to make yeah. sure that the depositors are good. We're not going to run to help those other people that you're talking about. Now this happened Correct. at two banks, and I just heard Stuart Varney say that he thinks it could be the beginning, like you talked about 2008, and a bunch more could fail like these two. How do we make sure that's not going to be the case? <laughs> well, these extraordinary measures were just announced yesterday. Obviously, there's going to be some nervousness about what we call contagion, that this could spread through the system. Goldman Sachs yesterday came out and suggested that maybe the Federal Reserve will not raise interest rates next week when it meets, and it was expected to raise rates by a quarter to a half point. The speed with which the Fed raised rates caused some big losses in bank portfolios who hold long-term bonds. When the yield on a bond goes up, the value of the bond goes down. And Silicon Valley Bank in particular held a lot of long-term bonds, and so they had a declining value of those assets that was somewhat critical to their health. And we may see this in other areas of the banking system, but to predict a full-scale systemic event like we saw in 2008 is a bit irresponsible. We don't know that this is where that's going. Uh, officials are moving very, very quickly to stem the losses and maintain, again, the deposit base and make sure that everybody has access to their money in the bank to avoid a systemic financial panic. This is It's a big deal. This is not a small event. And you can see European stock markets are down because they probably have some banking issues as well. Italy's down almost 4%. They have some of the weakest banks in the world. So we want to be careful in how we characterize this. We don't want to throw gasoline on a fire when we don't know yet that this will spread beyond the banks in question. It's a big enough deal that it might give the Fed pause. It's a big enough deal that it's going to shake up markets potentially. And we've seen money rush into U.S. Treasuries for safekeeping. We're seeing a little jitteriness in the stock market this morning, and, and we've seen overseas markets sell off. So, look, I'm not Pollyanna-ish about these things. I've seen 
every one of them since 1987. And, you know, 87, when the market went down 23% in a single day, we thought was going to create a depression. The Fed stepped in and, and none of that ever happened. So you have to you have to pick your spots and you have to be very careful about how you characterize events like these. Because if they are contained, if there is no contagion, life will go on, the bank will get absorbed or it will go out of business, but depositors will make be made whole. It'll get sold if that's what happens. But we can't say with any certainty that this is 2008 all over again. We also can't say that it's not, but at this point in time, I wouldn't go that far. Mm. Um, I think that's, that's, that's just a bridge too far from where we are right now. It's a big enough deal. You talk about the markets being jittery. It's a big enough deal where they're yeah. actually contemplating not even opening the stock market this morning? No, 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 no. I have not heard that anywhere. Well, like, where, they, 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 that? well they keep putting up on Fox Business, market set to open regularly or regular time. So I guess... They actually considered maybe not opening the market today. No, I don't. I don't think they would have considered that. I think they're probably saying that to ward off any concerns that they, that this would be a wide scale. Gotcha. Event. Listen, if, unless I'm wrong, Dow futures are down sixty points. The S and P are up five. So, I mean, you're not going to close the market on a day that's you know got right. a relatively right. normal move. Yeah. I mean, that would first of all that would generate a panic if you close the stock market. Oh, that, a, that a huge panic, right? So rarely the last you know, the, it's been closed for weather. It's been closed after 9-11. It's been closed in a, only a handful of situations where they don't open the market. This would not be one of them. Can't do it. They so how many do days it. do we have to keep a real eye on this before we can say, okay, it's those two banks. It's, it's exclusive to them. How many days? Wednesday, Thursday, before we start to feel like, okay, most of the banking is going to be fine. I'd give it a week or so. You know, I think you just have to keep your eyes peeled and you have to make sure that you know, all these various uh, new facilities that are being opened by the federal government, you know, backstop the banks appropriately, that there's no other larger bank that has a, a similar type problem. Remember that the, the dealings of both Signature Bank and then the bigger Silicon Valley Bank is that their exposures were fairly concentrated to specific industries. In the case of Silicon Valley, it was obviously tech. In the case of Signature Bank, they got into the crypto business, which, you know, is probably something a bank shouldn't be in at all. So people are now going to comb through the exposures that regional banks have and see if they have too much exposure to any single industry or if they have too much exposure to something as speculative as crypto. And they're going to go one by one and, and try to decide which among the smaller, mid-sized regional banks might be at risk. But all depositors, at least according to the statements we've seen so far, all depositors will be made whole no matter where you have your money in the banking system. So... The, they're for trying to forestall people really freaking out and trying to pull their money and put it somewhere else. It, 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 that's that's what the what all the various federal agencies and the Federal Reserve did yesterday. Thank God for you, man. You just really did a tremendous job in the last 15 minutes of explaining all of this. I had no idea what's going on at 630. Now I think I could host a show on CNBC tonight. <laughs> well, I'd love to see it. Love to see it. Love to have you. Uh, you were great, as always, Ronnie. Thank you so much. Really terrific Thanks, job. Sir. Enjoy your day, buddy. Thanks. Ron and Santa, folks, he knows his stuff, man. That was great. CNBC. So the depositors will be made full. Stockholders, nah. Bondholders, nah. But if you got cash in those banks, you should be okay. Keep an eye out for the rest of these banks. About a week right now with Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank. Those are the two that failed over the weekend. Big 7 o'clock hour about to come your way, which includes Mondays with Rich Lowry, Mondays with Curtis Sliwa, and Bill O'Reilly's morning message. A huge 7 o'clock hour on the way with me, Sid, 
right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends, no sleep till. Brooklyn. No sleep till Brooklyn. Beastie Boys at 710 on your Monday morning. Back with the number one rated talk show in New York. That's me, Sid, sitting friends in the morning. Big 7 o'clock hour about to come your way. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. And the editor of the National Review, he's here every Monday morning, Rich Lowry. 8 o'clock hour. No one will stop by for a couple of minutes, but the big one is the mayor, Eric Adams. He'll be here at 840. And then uh, my buddies out of that big gastro center in New Jersey. This is Colon Cancer Awareness Month here in March, also MS Month. And we'll talk to uh, Dr. George Pavlou and my dear friend Steve Puchik coming up at 925. But we do put this time aside every Monday morning talking about No Sleep Till Brooklyn for Canarsie's finest, Mr. Guardian Angels. And a big star, of course, right here at WABC, the great Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, good morning, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm feeling really good. I wasn't feeling good coming in here because I was licensed to be ill. What do you mean? Ill in the brain. Oh, but yes. What a great group. Beastie Boys, right? Had the top-selling rap song of all time, remember? Top of the Billboard charts. The brothers were not at all happy with that no, 1986. All-white smart guys from Harvard. One of them, I think, Adam, may have gone to Morrow High School with my wife, Danielle. I think he went to Morrow. And that's or Midwood, I forget. what you started this morning. And I say, my God, I don't think you realized the tribute you paid to our beloved Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. You started off by talking about your lovely wife, Danielle, going to one of the great high schools, public high schools in New York City. Never gets the recognition and attention of a Stuyvesant, a Brooklyn Tech, Bronx Never. High, of a well, I was right. Adam did go tomorrow. Danielle told me that. She was right. I was right. Go ahead, continue. By the way, it doesn't get the credit, too, because they're not a big sports high school. In fact, the football field where Midwood plays their games is at Morrow High School. But it's Midwood's football field, not Morrow's. That's true, but then again, the worst football field I ever played on was the old New Utrecht field. Terrible. I mean, they had glass and rocks and stones. and So if, did Cheapshead Bay. Same and if bank. you did a whiteout, you got smashed right into the <laughs> fence. But anyway, let's get back with our Morrow. You pointed out how Danielle yeah. was the female chosen for Sing. Correct. And that Daniel Aronofsky. Darren, Darren Aronofsky. Darren, I'm sorry. Yeah. Was chosen as the male. Right. Now, that was back then when women were women, men were men. Now you'd have to have 72 different categories, you know, non-binary, drag queens, the whole nine yards. Because Edward R. Murrow is a school that started just recently. It's not an old school. No. Started in the 70s. Theater. It was about theater. It was about journalism, about all the things that they don't get credit for. And look at what this guy has gone on to do. Right. 
And I'm telling you, this guy was a graffiti artist. You know the train tracks that are right below Edward R. Murrow? Yeah. He used to throw up big layups. Yeah. No, that's not true. That is true. Darren Aronofsky? Uh, check it out. No, I believe you know, he was actually married, too, for a short time. To who was that lovely actress? They had a baby together. She ended up going uh, going to to go on with the guy from James Bond, Daniel Craig. But before she was with Daniel Craig, she was uh, married to Darren Aronofsky, and they had a baby. Give me her name. So you're telling me he was a graffiti artist? Yes, he was. And by the way, although he didn't direct this movie, I want everybody to go look at White Boy Rick. He was the producer of this movie. What's it called? White Boy Rick. White Boy Rick. Rachel Weiss was the lady he was married to. She's now with Daniel Craig. They had a child together. White Boy Rick. Right. Matthew McConaughey was in it as a white boy dealing drugs and guns, became a confidential informant, but then ended up doing triple life without parole, which sort of leads us into the whole Mexico situation. Because you lived in that era, I lived through that era, and drugs were pouring into this country. And we weren't going to war against Colombia. We weren't popping cruise missiles into Afghanistan over the fact that they were growing poppies that were turned into heroin. But now, all of a sudden, we want to end spring break in Mexico. We want to declare war. <laughs> Lindsey Graham, who doesn't know a country that he doesn't want to declare war on. Is this guy crazy? We have created this insatiable appetite for drugs. America. The number one drug user. And guess what? If it ain't Mexico, it's going to be another country that's going to produce the drugs. You know that better than anybody uh, listen, else. I, I can't argue any of this because I spent so much of my life down on Pitkin and Pine at 6 o'clock in the morning with uh, 50 bucks in my pocket and making that treacherous trip back after getting the drugs. I mean, two rehabs and all the things you're talking about. Now, thank God it. 56 years old almost. That's, that's where was history. that again? Picking and where? Picking and Pine. Yeah, they said white boy Sid is here. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Same white thing. boy Sid. What, what year was that movie made? Uh, I believe that movie was in the 80s. I'm not in the quite 80s. sure. Okay. Great movie. No, no, probably had to be the 90s. 90s he was too right. young. He was you, too young you, in the 80s. You got to check it out yeah. because it is so pertinent to what we're going through now. But you think of all the Brooklyn people you mentioned. You mentioned Janice Yellen. Oh, my God, she sounded like she had constipation when she was speaking. Do <laughs> you know what high school she graduated from? She's a Brooklyn girl, too? Secretary of the Treasury, before that, head of the Federal Reserve, Fort Hamilton High School. Regu- no kidding. A regular public neighborhood high school right there in I Bay know Ridge. It, right? well, you know, Alan Dershowitz was on this show last week talking about some, oh, he was talking about the Alex Murdoch trial. And he said, you know, uh, all I really want to do, He's a huge success. All I really want to do is write a book about Brooklyn. Yeah, Borough Park. He grew up yes. in Borough Park. I mean, if you if you list the names, I know the Bronx has some impressive people. Martin Scorsese, Jazz Palminteri, Bernie McGurk. Hey, don't forget Danny Aiello. Right? Also, we love Danny. But if you list the people from Brooklyn, oh, it's oh, not oh. even close. Well, wait. You also mentioned your very dear friend, Joseph Tapic. I call him Tapioca Head. Tacopina. Bedford right. Avenue, Bedford Avenue and Avenue X. Right now, poly prep graduate, you know, busting his buttons and bridges with pride. Probably voted the least likely to succeed, right? Not probably. Uh, the fact is, in the polyglot, which was the annual poly prep yearbook, one year when we were in the sixth grade, Joseph Tacopina and Sidney Rosenberg were voted the two of us least likely to succeed. He's the biggest attorney in the country. I'm the biggest radio star. That's right. Nice uh, job, Paul. Having been, uh, having been uh, praised by Donald Trump uh, by text, <laughs> you're still <laughs> waiting for him to come on your show. 
But Joseph Tacopina, an attorney for him now. Now. Well, let me read this text now that you brought that up. Yes. Because President Trump did, in fact, text Joe Tacopina on Friday if the talk was on with me on Friday. Just listen to your interview with Sid, who, by the way, is a fantastic guy, fantastic in caps. Great interview, great in caps. Say hi to number one Sid, President Trump, to Joseph Tacopina on Friday. And then. The worst disgrace of the Oscars, the failure to recognize Paul Sorvino. Terrible. Went to Lafayette High School from Bensonhurst. Grew up with asthma. That's why he became a great opera singer. He had to learn breathing exercises. The guy was busting tables. He was a bartender. He was selling cars. Nobody would give him a break because, you know, he was, he was cat. Ah, this guy, nah, there's no way. Then he was in a championship season. Which you know, as a sports guy, 25 years later, they won this, uh, the uh, state championship in basketball. They all get together. And he was part of a team of Robert Mitchum, Bruce Stern, Psycho Boy, Bruce oh, Stern, Martin cast. Sheen, Stacey Keach. That was 1982. Wow. A championship season. And then eventually, good fellas, Paulie Vario, he plays that. How could they not have uh, recognized I... this guy? And you know, my favorite. Role of all time because I was up with the Irish at St. Patrick's uh, Day Parade there in the neck and Throg's neck in the Bronx yesterday when he played Kill the Irishman, Fat Tony oh, he Salerno. Was great he was great, not he was great. Not how could they not recognize Paul Savino? I, I mean, uh, and Kill the Irishman was great, and the championship season was great too. But just for Big Paulie in Goodfellas, and while you're talking about great Italians from Brooklyn who they snubbed at the Academy Awards last night, you don't love this guy, but I did. The great Tony, a.k.a. Paulie Walnuts, Sirico, another great Brooklyn actor. Well, you know, he was real to life. He used to wake up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. His mother would make him, hey, pasta vazul. He would eat his pasta vazul, the mamaluke, and then he would go and he'd get a job. Whose leg do I stuff in whose pocket in order to collect the vig? He was a real-life mobster. There's no doubt about it. And then the one you didn't mention, who is Udiscraziata Ashanda. He came out of Brooklyn, went to Regis High School, a brainiac. Regis. Okay. That's right. He's been moaning and groaning. It's not me. It's not me. Uh, uh, Dr. Fauci. Dr. Oh, Fauci Dr. from Fauci. Brooklyn. Yes. He is from Brooklyn. Right. We had him on at the very beginning of the pandemic, me and Bernie, and he talked about his basketball prowess in Brooklyn. Yeah, what were they, uh, uh, zero and 24? Yeah, you know, he was a like point that. guard yeah. there. Yeah, 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 I was a point guard. Meantime, he was the guy, right, who was giving us guidance. Who remember he had the, uh, uh, turns out he was smoking two packs of Marlboro Reds a day, right? And had to have the operation to get the polyps out of his throat. And this guy was giving us dictation about masking up, no social, you know, you got to uh, no, no, socially distance from one another. And he came out of Brooklyn. Look at all these people. Amazing. They were in the way, news the, just in the first hour. Talking about Fauci, I'm glad you brought him up because he was on CNN on Saturday. Oh, Madonna, mine. I know. And it turns out that he got everything wrong. Wrong, so now he's getting death threats. People are saying it should be arrested. I agree with that. Should be put in prison. Well, I, I would do that because he was a Washington Nationals fan. <laughs> how, could you, how could you come out of Brooklyn and be a Washington Nationals fan? I don't know. He did throw out the first pitch at the Nationals game. Anyway, this is Anthony Fauci, Curtis, Saturday, courtesy of CNN, talking about how irresponsible people like Sid Rosenberg are calling for his arrest. Well, I mean, there's no response to that craziness, Jim. I mean, prosecute me for what? What, what are they talking about? <laughs> I mean, I wish I could figure out what the heck they were talking about. I think they're just going off the deep end. That's the answer to your first question. It doesn't make any sense to say something like that, and it actually is irresponsible. 
Of course, it's going to have a difficult effect and a deleterious effect on my family. I mean, they don't like to have me getting death threats all the time. Every time somebody gets up and spouts some nonsense that's misinformation, disinformation and outright lies, somebody somewhere decides they want to do harm to me and or my family. So that's the part about it that is really unfortunate. The rest of it is just insanity, the things they're saying. Oh, oh, wait, Aww. wait, I just had flashbacks. Because <laughs> remember, he came on the scene during the Reagan administration to deal with HIV AIDS. He did a disastrous job. That reminds me of the other movie Paul Savino was in, one of your all-time favorite, Cruising. Remember he was the captain in Cruising? I don't remember that, no. Oh, yeah, no, don't, don't lie. It. You, of course, <laughs> gay guys cruising out there. Come on. Uh, Al Pacino was in that. Okay. Uh, you, yeah. know, you know, he had the Nazi hat yeah. on. He yeah. had the chaps, yeah. the yes. cowboy. Yes. Uh, come on. Yes. You know... Admit that. That was your favorite movie. <laughs> Not my favorite movie. You went down no. to Greenwich Village. You <laughs> yeah. went there right along the West Side Highway, the Hudson oh, River. You said, on. I want to be just like Al Pacino <laughs> yeah. in Cruising. Oh, it's funny. He, he was there during those HIV days, Fauci. Did a lousy job. Uh, and not only that, but they said he made money back then. Oh, God. This guy has made millions, millions, because he has a, a side hustle. He's had a side hustle making money. And then he has the coolions, the huevos, to stand in and say, it's not me. Remember, the first interview he did about the pandemic was in uh, January of 2020 with our own John Katsimatidis. He said, nothing to worry about. He did. He Everything said, he's a liar. <laughs> we, we should eliminate on his Wikipedia that he came out of Brooklyn. We should. That fact, is a disgraciata. I love this appearance. I think one, once a week, you want a bunch of times a week with me, we should do Ode to Brooklyn. Oh, have to. And just find the great people, no disrespect to Katsimatidis, Harlem, the late great Bernard McGurk in the Bronx, Frank Morano, Staten Island, no disrespect. Brooklyn is king. Oh, Once a week, Paul what I Savino. do, Brooklyn. How could they not I recognize I I, I, Paulie? <laughs> you know who's from Brooklyn? Eric Adams. Coming That's on Joe Brownsville. <laughs> and who ran against him across the Boulevard in Canarsie? Yours truly, Curtis Lewa. The great Curtis Lewa comes your way noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long. He's out with me three times a week. He really is great. The icon, the legend himself, Curtis Sliwa. Still to come this hour, Bill O'Reilly's morning message. The editor of the National Review, Rich Lowry. And don't forget, coming up at 8.40, the aforementioned mayor, Eric Adams. All that and more, the Monday edition of New York's number one talk show. That's me, Sid, Sid and Friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Monday, I am here in Florida checking out the Sunshine State, which is on a roll, as they say. This week, I'll be on vacation, but I never really am on vacation. I'm always kind of tooling around, looking at uh, the landscape, assessing situations, talking to people. And there has been, as everybody knows, a tremendous migration to the state of Florida. Now, I used to be a Florida resident. I taught high school in a suburb of Miami, actually a ghetto of Miami, um, and I enjoyed my experience in Florida very much, including the teaching portion in Opa Laca. Then I returned to Miami to cover the wars in El Salvador and the conflict down 
in Argentina over the Falkland Islands. That was base. I was very rarely there. I was running around Central and South America. Tremendous educational experience, by the way. Back then, Florida was kind of a sleepy place. Now, I think it's the most vibrant state in the union, and that's because of the low taxation, a lot of opportunities, and a government, state government, that basically says, we're not going to be woke. So the combination is a magnet for people who are disenchanted with high taxation, crazy crime, on and on. So I'm going to enjoy my week in Florida. I have plenty of sunblock, and I'll report when I get back. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. When this old world starts a getting me down And people are just too much for me to face I'll climb way up to the top of the stairs And all my cares just drift right into space Peaceful as can be And there the world below Don't bother me No, no So when I'm Happy birthday to the great James Keller. I love this song. Up on the roof, he turned 75 yesterday. I love JT. Play a lot of JT the rest of the show, in fact, Lou. All JT, Carolina on my mind, fire and rain, you've got a friend, all of it. 733 Monday morning, Ron Insano was on at 640. CNBC, he explained the whole bank failure deal. Signature Bank here in New York, Silicon Valley Bank out in California. He explained it so well that I can tell you that at 630 this morning, I had no idea what this story was. Now I'm so well versed, I could do a show on Fox Business tonight. That's how good he was. Even Noam Layden who's a very bright guy. I mean, not as bright as he thinks he is, but very, very bright guy and does a great job with the news. Even he admitted that was a great interview with Ron and Sam. Yeah, that's all he needed to hear. Yeah. That's all he needed. If I saw you on CNBC giving a business report. You'd love it, right? I'd think, yeah. well, that's it. Now the end of the world is nigh. You've already said that like 10 times already. No, I've never said that phrase. No. Yes, no. basically. Right. I've done some things since you've been here. You're like, oh, my God. I've, I've, it, that would a, be the coup de grace for you. In an impressive tone, yeah. I think I get that. I can see if I can get that done for you. Right. Okay. And the, <laughs> yeah. right. At 7.05. With the bank of TVs, <laughs> and you have a chart <laughs> with a graph and a pointer, and you're going like, well, you know, the trending of the finance group no. and the interest rate you, is. You, you would think at this point that you would never, ever, ever think that. I can do something that would be so improbable. I mean, how many guys in this country have Mayor Eric Adams on their radio show and get a text from Donald Trump? Not many. And can do a business report. Right. And uh, could host a sports show and <laughs> act in a movie and a whole bunch of stuff. So trying to make it happen. You're right. It's limitless <laughs> what is available at your fingertips. I'm, I'm so impressed. Curtis Sliwa was great at 7.05. <laughs> Coming up at 7.40, which Lowry, the aforementioned mayor, Eric Adams at 8.40. Lots to discuss there. Norm at 825, 
And then um, my buddies are coming in, George Pavlu and Steve Puchik from the Gastro Place in New Jersey. You know, this is uh, Multiple Sclerosis Month, but it's also Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And they come in every year. It's a little sad because last year they were here and Bernard was still alive and he got involved in the conversation. It was about this time last year that Bernie started missing a week every month, sometimes 10 days a month, before he just was not able to work in July. But he was there that day that George and Steve were here last year and got involved in the cancer conversation. And he's already gone months, I mean months. told you guys at the top of the show I spoke to Bernie's son Brendan yesterday. Because Danielle went and bought uh, little Colin, Bernie's grandson, a whole bunch of clothes yesterday. And we need an email address from Brendan or Carol to get the clothing out there. So I spoke to Brendan. He was very sweet, just like his dad was. But he's gone months. I mean, months. It's crazy. It's five months. He's gone five months. He has not (laughs) been, by the way, he has not been on this show at all since August of last year. I mean, it's, it's like a year he's gone. So, um... They'll come in and talk about colon cancer awareness, which um, we can't hear enough about that type of stuff, obviously. I believe Prostate Cancer Awareness Month is in September, and we'll do a whole bunch of events in and around the great life of Bernard McGurk. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Happy birthday, James Taylor turned 75 yesterday. Just so you know, Acapulco and Cancun, all the popular resort spots, they're at a level five right now. High alert. If you're American, don't go. Not just these like little towns where they kill Americans. Everywhere in Mexico. Why you would go there, I have no idea. <laughs> People will still go. Somebody just went there. Somebody really famous. I was reading about it. Somebody uh, going through something at home and she ran to Mexico. I just saw it yesterday. I was there like a year ago. What's that? I was there like last year. That's a good story. Um, so <laughs> I did watch the uh, Chris Rock thing this week, and I want to get to um, which Lowry, but there were two parts that this audience will find so annoying they'll hate it because for the most part, this audience, not for the most part, but a lot of people are stupid. So he does talk about how white men have to stop acting like they're the victims. They're not the victims. Like he's like, I'm black, trust me. It's still, you guys got it pretty good. And he brings up January 6th. To um, prove his point that white folks have it okay, that we can storm the Capitol and break stuff and kill people and uh, nobody cares, which is stupid because the truth is you got guys riding in jail for years for doing nothing. They didn't kill anybody January 6th, but the black people that set precincts on fire and did kill people during the summer of 2020, they didn't serve 15 minutes in jail. And they're getting, they're getting a, a suit. They get money. They get money. money, right. Money. So he was ignorant and stupid there. But if you get past that, he was really funny. And uh, he went off on Lululemon, 
you know, I have neighbors upstate, these stupid, fat Jewish people. And during the summer of 2020 and even 2021, they had signs on their lawns. Racism doesn't live here. Like it lived at my house, you know. Go down the block, Naomi. Racism is okay there. Racism doesn't live here. Yeah, I like that spot, the border, where you can cross over and racism is allowed. That's <laughs> yeah. a great spot. This summer, was they had all these uh, Roe versus Wade nonsense. I mean, the, the, the most dis- Jewish people, despicable, disgusting idiots. And this uh, Lululemon, these bastards, quickly before I get to which, Larry, what do they put on, the, on their windows? I just passed one on Brookfield Plaza yesterday. What's on their window? Okay. They had the bold uh, stra- campaign strategy was saying, we do not support racism, sexism, discrimination, or hate. Right, like everybody else does. So congratulations to Lululemon. But Chris Rock, he makes the point. He goes, let me tell you something. You charge $100 for yoga pants. $100 for yoga pants. Oh, you hate somebody. <laughs> he said, you hate poor people. So Lululemon and uh, my Jewish friends in upstate New York, you're all jerk-offs, all of you. He, he, said, like he, goes, he, goes, he goes, let me ask you this. Wouldn't you much rather get yourself a pair of racist yoga pants for 20 bucks? <laughs> anyway, here he is, editor. This is white is beautiful on the side. Oh, my, his social commentary is, is genius. And like I said earlier, the woman, women have all the power. He goes, how do I know that? He goes, you put Beyonce in a Burger King, she's still going to get Jay-Z. You put Jay-Z in a Burger King. <laughs> Rich Lowry, editor, National Review. Rich, good morning. How are you, buddy? Good. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, your last two columns were great. And I want to start with Mike Pence. Uh, Mike Pence, you know this. I met him in studio here about six weeks ago. Very nice a decent man, American, very conservative. He did an interview with me. We took pictures together. But I'm starting to like him less and less. I mean, he's got to stop. He actually said this weekend that Donald Trump endangered him and his family on January 6th. That is complete nonsense, Rich. Well, uh, I, I think he he uh, he's one of the first to call out Trump by name of the candidates or potential candidates, which I think is, is a good thing. We've, we've talked about um, – if people are going to beat Trump, they're not going to do it by tiptoeing around him. Now, I think uh, Pence's chances are fairly low. You look at his favorability <laughs> ratings, and for better or worse, yeah. a lot of people agree with you. You know, since January 6th, it's uh, been on a downward slope, feelings about Pence. Um, but uh, I think he's a good man. I think he's a man of integrity. I think on that day, he did the right thing. You know, yeah, it but all, listen, crazy all, for him to, to overturn the electoral vote. All that um, is true. All that is true. But all he has to say is, listen, that was a bad day for the presidency. It was a bad day for America. When you start saying things like he endangered me and my family, that's not integrity. That, in fact, that's the complete opposite of integrity. That's because a lie. You're saying because Trump did not directly incite or intend. Of course not to do that. And and and, I'm, and I was critical. I fought with Bernie for months. Trump was awful that day. Why? Mm-hmm. Because for three hours he stuck around with his finger up his ass while they right. were destroying the damn place. But you yeah. can't. But you can't. You can't say that he endangered my family, Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I take point. Takes point. Yeah. Also, you wrote about uh, Ron DeSantis. I saw the interview with Brian Kilmeade over the weekend. And uh, look, it's. It's at the point now. I understand what he's done in Florida is great. The woke stuff, shutting down Disney, longer, no longer autonomous. And you, you made the point. He's not just curbing that stuff. He's stopping that stuff. 
I want you to talk about that, but also at some point, He's going to have to fight back because Kilmeade asked him about Trump this weekend, and again, he took the high road. At some point, he's going to have to fight back. Yeah, I think what, what, he, what he should do, what, what I'm hoping to do for, for his sake, do his announcement speech whenever he does it, late May, early June, You know, all about DeSantis, all about what he's done, all about the country, all about the changes he, he wants. And then the next day, punch Trump in the face. Find something <laughs> to, to show that he can do it. Because, I mean, this is a big question, right, <laughs> that everyone has. That Does he have the strength, the gumption to do it? You know, How is he going to respond? Well, he should find something affirmatively to attack Trump on. Just to make the point, you know, I, I can do this. Now, whether he'll actually do that or not, I don't know. What he's done in Florida, though, it's um, – sorry about my voice getting over a cold. He um, – it's not just stopping the insanity. It's rooting it out and replacing it with something better. That's what he's trying to do at the university level. So it's hugely consequential. If, if he succeeds in down, down in Florida, this, I hope, will become a model for other red states. And at least he can have you know a third of the country where you have Republican legislatures and governors creating something better and not just sitting back and, and saying, well, we'll be me. These people are crazy. We don't know how to stop them. Uh, he's creating a model about, about how you not just stop them, but you roll them back. All you need to know about this uh, Trump potential indictment here in New York talking about DeSantis punching him across the face is I played three cuts this morning. Three, okay, Rich. One was from the fat, stupid, racist DA Alvin Bragg. One was from a felonious attorney. He served time in prison, a felony, Michael Cohen. And one was from the most corrupt governor, worse than Andrew Cuomo ever was, Kathy Hochul. The, uh, these are the three people who I played this morning, who went after Donald Trump. That's all you need to know, that Trump is not the bad guy. Once again, Alvin Bragg, Michael Cohen, Kathy Hochul. How about that? Yeah, and I think it'd be ridiculous to indict him on this. Now, I, I don't believe Trump's denials. Um, you know, the idea, maybe maybe he wouldn't do it with her now. <laughs> but 15 right, right. years ago, when she's a porn star at the height of his uh, her fame, yeah. and he's alone somewhere at a celebrity golf tournament or something. Quite he's in Lake Tahoe, to be exact. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's not a crime. And also, he, he's um, uh, he's careful with his hush money, so there's no way he's paying off someone that there's not reason to pay off. But it's not a crime, uh, even if it, if you squint the right way and make it a crime. It's a misdemeanor. So that, then they're coming up with this ridiculous theory. It's coupled with some campaign finance violation, which makes it you know an indictable. Felony. It's absurd. Uh, it'll it'll very likely help Trump, and I, I would think will very likely uh, ultimately lose. You know, they can get a, a jury in, in Manhattan, wherever, to to, um, to find Trump guilty of anything. Yeah. But um, th- this is this is this is wrong. And you know, I have lots of criticisms of Trump, but this uh, trying to indict him on this is a third world move. It shows just how uh, um, fanatic they are about uh, trying to get him and how they'll bend the rules to do it. So it's a disgrace. You know that uh, Donald Trump texted Joe Tacopina about me on Friday? No. He did? He, uh, no, I did. I had Tacopina. He's on every Friday. And we yeah. talked exclusively last Friday about this ridiculous potential indictment here in New York. And he said, this is from Trump, he said, Joe, just listen to your interview with Sid, who, by the way, is a fantastic, fantastic in caps, fantastic guy, great interview, great in caps. Say hi to number one, 
Sid. President Trump. How about that? Huh? That's great taste in radio shows. Yeah. So, uh, He's I'll no dummy. Too. He is no dummy, President Trump. Got to get him back sooner than later. Uh, are you nervous this morning about all your money in the Silicon Valley bank out there, uh, Rich? Yeah. I never should have uh, had a million dollars out there. <laughs> of all the places to park it. No, actually, you could have done it here in New York at Signature Bank, but you're probably not there either, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, you, uh, the story interest. I had Ron and Santa on at 640. CNBC, talking about both sides of the spectrum, from Donald Trump to Ron and China to Mayor Eric Adams, who's coming on at 840. So I don't, I don't uh, you know, pretend to play. If you're, if you're somebody I want to talk to, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, I'm going to talk to you. But is this bank story uh, something you're interested in or not? Is this like mostly for rich people? You're not, you're not worried about this? I mean, it's, it's very consequential. It's one of these things that I can't, I can't follow it. I'm going to read up a, uh, on it a lot you know, yeah. today and, and this week, but I'll never – entirely understand it so um but it, it is a product of the the low fed rates you know and um i think they'll end up bailing out all, all the depositors yes so they knew you know you're safe up to two hundred fifty thousand, and that's a meaningful line that people should be aware of and then i think they'll be tempted to uh ensure like all, all deposits for everyone everywhere up to anything which, i think they, uh, they will do that they're gonna they're yeah. not gonna help out the stockholders and the bondholders they're not gonna do that but all the depositors, no matter what the figure is now, they're saying they're going to help those folks. Let's stick with the economy then for a second, talking about banking. Biden came out with that budget last week. It was about $7 trillion, about $7 trillion. Let's not forget we're $32 trillion in debt right now. Some say that'll add another 11 make that $43 trillion. And no one can figure out exactly where all this money, what, what, what good it's going to do. So... What I'm trying to say is I haven't really heard one person on other side say, hey, that's a heck of a budget Joe Biden put together. Yeah. What do you think? You know, it reminds me of the, the VIP room at that strip club where J- 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 how do you say his name? John Morant. John Morant, yes. Yeah. Dollars everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, up to, I think it was $50,000, and they actually complained. It, it, it took a lot of time to, like, gather that all up and count it. <laughs> but that's, that's the Biden budget, you know, and, and maybe it's um, – if Morant went into that club uh, the second night and, and just spread $45,000 on the floor, they'd be like, look, I'm, I'm being, I'm being uh, uh, cheap and prudent uh, tonight. And that's what the Biden budget is. It's a slightly uh, less of a blowout than he's done to this point. So he, he saves, in theory, $3 trillion, which is just not, you know some of the spending coming off. So it's ridiculous. It's not going anywhere, obviously. But it's just meant to set up this this big clash over the uh, debt ceiling, which he's going to have with Republicans in a couple of months. And unfortunately, I think he's he's um, political terms. He's yeah. he's uh, set up pretty pretty well for that clash. Yeah. Last one. I know you're a big sports guy like me, diehard Yankee fan. I'm a Met fan, and but uh, my second favorite sport for a long time, believe it or not, was college basketball. I I, I fell in love with, with with those St. John's teams. You know, Chris Mullen, oh, yeah. Walter Berry, Karnasekis teams, and followed the Big East closely. I told people I'd rather have Big East tickets than Super Bowl tickets, and I meant that. But now I can't watch it. I can't, there's four number one seeds they announced yesterday, and between the four of them, Purdue, Houston, Alabama, I forgot the fourth, Kansas. Uh, Kansas. I couldn't tell you more than two players on yep. the four teams combined. They've completely ruined that sport, Rich. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, none of these teams are, are particularly strong either. You know, it, Houston did look like the cream of the crop, but then lost to Memphis by 10 points right. in, the, in their conference championship. They lost, so to, still, by the way, they lost think, to Temple during the regular season by more than that as a 19-point yeah. favorite. Yeah, so, um, but it's still, I think the first four days, 
Thursday through Sunday, w- one of the best days in, in American sports life. I, I just, I just love it. I love the the, the wall-to-wall back-to-back games yeah. you know, from from noon to midnight, oh. and you get you get just crazy stuff happening. So I, I literally, I'll be aware of and watching almost every single game and um, paying. Mm close attention to anything that's close in the last five minutes. Wow. So we've just found out clearly that Rich Lowry is a degenerate gambler. Because <laughs> if you're all locked into Murray State in Kansas, uh, no, no, listen, I've actually covered that event live at the CBS Broadcast Center years ago when uh, Pat O'Brien was the guy before Jim Nance and the rest of these guys. And it is an amazing couple of days. So enjoy it. As always, Rich Lowry, great on a Monday. We'll do it again next week. You're the best. Thank you. Go go keep being number one. Uh, Thank you, Rich. My man, Rich Lowry, keep being number one. I love that. I will. we got a great hour to come your way. We're going to talk to Suffolk County DA. I really like this guy, Ray Tierney. Never been on the show before. Ray Tierney coming up at 8.05. A conversation with Noam coming up at 8.25. And, yes, Mayor Eric Adams coming up at 8.40. A huge 8 o'clock hour, hour number three. Of the number one show, as Rich just said in New York, that's me, Sid, 77 WABC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Mayor Eric Adams set to join me coming up at 8.40. A lot to talk about with the mayor. Once again, he'll be here at 8.40. Noam's got his uh, little nuggets coming up at 8.25. And then this is not only MS Month, but it's Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And my friends from the largest gastro place in the country out there in New Jersey, 
Dr. George Pavlou and my buddy Stephen Puchik will be here as they are annually to talk about what this month means. That's coming up at uh, 925. But uh, I put time aside this morning. I brought this guy up on Friday, my friend uh, Jennifer Harrison, who is the victim's advocate uh, girl out there on Long Island. And surely her boyfriend was murdered many, many years ago. She has devoted her life to helping folks. She was on talking about this, this Valva case, which is a really gross case. This Michael Valva, this pussy, this cop who uh, murdered his child, eight-year-old little boy, and his uh, disgusting fiance, Angelina Polina. Angela Polina. She was up in front of a Suffolk County jury on a Friday because she also played a part in this. And we, she brought up Ray Tierney, and I said, you know what? I know the Nassau County people very well. I helped them get elected. They're the first to admit it. Bruce Blakeman, when he beat Laura Curran. I mean, I helped them as much as Kaminsky did, but Bruce Blakeman and uh, Annie Donnelly, they'll be the first to say it. But I don't know the Suffolk County people all that way, but I've got a huge amount of respect for Ray Tierney. He is the Suffolk County DA, and he's making his debut on the Sid and Friends in the Morning Show right now. Mr. Tierney? Happy Monday morning. How are you, pal? Happy Monday morning, Sid. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Um, I wish more DAs around the country were like you. But it all goes back, I think, Ray, to your days playing football at Brown University, yes? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about that, but uh, I certainly had a lot more fun playing football than I playing now. But What position did you play? I'm just curious. I played, I played running back and receiver. I, I, uh, after I hurt my knee, I, I switched to receiver. Wow. And, I mean, did you actually start a couple of years? I mean, I, I do. Why? I've gone to a bunch of Ivy League football games over the years. Did you actually play a lot? Were you a starter? Well, I, I hurt my, I tore my ACL my freshman year, so I got uh, redshirted my sophomore year. Um, I couldn't play, and I missed it. So I went back, and I, I didn't really play until my, my last year. Um, and I had one more year of eligibility, but, uh, you know, I, I, all the guys that I started with had graduated, so I, I did as well. Gotcha. Well, give us a little quick little synopsis, a summary, if you will, on how you got to this really prestigious office you are now. Again, the Suffolk County DA. I'm sure you, you worked at some law firm, some private practice. Maybe not. Maybe it was something for the city. How'd you get to where you are today? Well, I just, you know, when I when I graduated law school, the only job I wanted was as a prosecutor. So I was well, in law school. Enough. You went to St. John's, is that right? St. John's Law School, correct. Yeah, great and then school. I gra- gra- graduated, and uh, all I wanted to do was be a prosecutor. Uh, so I got a job at Suffolk. Uh, was there until uh, for about seven years, uh, and then I, I I got married, had kids, uh, left. I uh, was working in a firm, was, was incredibly unhappy, and then uh, 9-11 happened. And, uh, you know, I, I remember driving back uh, to Long Island from, from the city and watching all the emergency vehicles stream into the city and thinking that my job was really inconsequential. So I wanted to get back into public service. I did. I returned to the, the DA's office, uh, 14 and a half years in total in Suffolk. Uh, then I was a, a federal prosecutor for 11 and a half years. Uh, from there, I went to, to um, the Brooklyn DA's office where I ran their gang and body-worn camera and crime strategies um, bureaus. Um, and then sort of inexplicably, uh, out of the blue, um, some, uh, the Republicans asked me to run for DA. And I decided wow. to, you know, to go for it. You know, it's funny you talk about after 9-11, you want to get back into public service. And my wife, Danielle, for example, she's a pretty prestigious attorney in Nassau County. 
And, um, you know, she she always tells me when she started her career, it was, you know, the defender's office in, in the city. And she's had all these great jobs at all these big firms. But she goes back to that, even though it didn't pay at all, at all, it was the most rewarding time during her career. And I always say, oh, stop, Danielle, you're nuts. When you just said that just now, though, about going back to public service, maybe she was right about that. Well, you, it's funny. It, you're absolutely, you get, you know, you get to really, you know, do consequential cases at a very young age. And, you know, you mentioned football before. It's very much a team. You're, you're thrown in with a bunch of other young kids, uh, you know, who are just trying to figure things out. So, you know, the friendships you make at that time are, are friendships you keep for the rest of your life. And you, you, you do really um, interesting, really important stuff at a very young age. Yeah, public defender, she loved it. You're right. So, right, Ray Tierney with me right now, the Suffolk County DA. Again, I know a lot more about Nassau County because my friends work there and my wife works there as well. But uh, in terms of crime, the difference between Suffolk and Nassau County, who's got more to deal with, you or Ann Donnelly? Well, I think, I think, unfortunately, I think uh, the crime stats in Suffolk are a little higher. I mean, both counties are, are extremely safe, uh, relatively speaking. Um, I mean, we had, we had about 30 murders last year, 1.6 million people. Um, but I think, I think uh, geographically, Suffolk County is just so much bigger than Nassau County, so everything's kind of spread out. So uh, I think uh, very similar, um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, our ge- geography is, is, a little, is a little different. When you talk about 30 murders, you know, all over the years between MS-13 and other gangs popping up, you know, my friend Lee Zeldin living in Shirley, his daughters were doing homework one night. They heard gunshots. My friend Jennifer Harrison, she was putting her son to bed one night in Shirley. She heard gunshots. And they all seem to think it's gang stuff. Is a lot of the murders going on right now, really in both counties, a product of that? Yes, it's it's pretty much. You know, the, it's either you know uh, it, mostly gang stuff. There's 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 domestic or, or you know personal um, vendettas, but it's 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 mostly gang stuff. And the 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 gang uh, the gun violence is fifty percent of the gun violence in Suffolk County is is um, concentrated in about one percent of the land area of Suffolk County. So that's that's totally unacceptable. You, you want to say what that is, or yeah, sure. It's uh, it's Massac Shirley. It's it's Brentwood. Um, uh, Central Islip, um, um, uh, uh, Gordon Heights, uh, Huntington Station. Um, so in those, those communities, most people in Suffolk County can name the communities. So what we really want to do is we want to concentrate our efforts on, you know, on, on the gun violence, and we want to focus our attention on uh, gangs and gang violence. Uh, in Brooklyn, I was a gang. I was I ran their gang violence uh, program. I was an MS-13 federal prosecutor. So I'm very well aware of gangs and how they operate. So we, we put together uh, big conspiracies, and we hold people responsible for what they do. So was it as easy as that 1% in Suffolk, which accounts for a lot of those illegal guns and all that gun stuff? Is it as easy as low economic places? Uh, what is it? What is the reason behind all that, if you had to guess? I think it's, it's underserved communities. Uh, traditionally underserved communities and all of the the the, the gang violence it's it's as simple as uh, there's a particular gang they occupy a particular geographic area uh, they want to control that area and then they want to go out and they want to attack their rivals in their geographic area and so basically what happens is it's a it, it's a tit for tat one group shooting at another and then the other group retaliating so what we want to do is at, at the earliest 
um, possible time, go in, investigate, and take these guys off the street. Now, this uh, Michael Valva story gained national attention years and years ago. Right, it actually happened, believe it or not, about the same time Kobe Bryant died. And I had an argument uh, that Monday morning with Bernard, my former late great partner, and my producer, Jill Vitale, about what story to put more emphasis on. And I was like, guys, I feel horrible for this little boy, but that was Kobe Bryant. Are they going to be crying every country around the world? And in the end, of course, I was right. That doesn't minimize how awful, how awful this Valva story is and what that little boy, Tommy, God rest his soul, went through. I mean, Michael Valva is one of the worst people I've ever read about in my entire life. But then to see what his ex-fiance said and did as well, I found that to be almost as shocking. I mean, he was the father, so it's worse, but almost as shocking. So where are we with her? So she was convicted uh, last Friday of the the murder of Thomas Valva. She also uh, uh, was convicted for um, uh, four counts of child endangerment because uh, she was uh, she fought her along with her fiance forced uh, Thomas and Anthony Valva to sleep in the uh, the, the garage among other things uh, and uh, unfortunately Thomas Valva uh, froze to death. I mean, in all your years, Ray, working in Brooklyn, working on Long Island, private practice, public service, now the DA doesn't get more prestigious than that. Have you seen cases worse than this? This is as bad as it gets. Uh, it is as bad as it gets. And the thing that was really unbelievable was they had wired their entire house with, uh, with Nest cameras. So you sort of, uh, they sort of chronicled uh, the entire, uh, the entire cro- uh, uh, crime. Uh, from from you know sort of beginning to when they first exiled the children into the garage to the to the death of of poor Thomas mm. and they were texting back and forth and the Suffolk County Police Department did a great job of of capturing uh, that as they were capturing it Angelo Polino was trying to erase the the videos but fortunately they got enough of of the videos to uh, to be able to to um, convict them and it really. You know the video and the and the text that accompanied the video was was just unbelievable, un- unbelievably upsetting. You know we're talking now about uh, you know gun violence and gangs and this awful Valva case and all that crime you have to deal with. And you know, of course, Ray, that here in New York City, Eric Adams, a good friend of mine, is going to join me in about twenty minutes. He's dealing with that every day in bigger numbers, and it's uh, it's scary at times here in New York City. Yet the DA here, Alvin Bragg, all he cares about is putting Donald Trump away. That's all he cares about. So I know sometimes you guys and girls are hesitant to talk about other DAs in other positions, but I'm here to tell you this Alvin Bragg is a lowlife. Do you have any thoughts on the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg? Well, you know, I mean, you know, he runs his office the way he runs his office. You know, I, I can tell you in Suffolk County, you know, if you steal other people's property, uh, you're going to be held responsible. If you um, engage in, in gang and gun violence, you're going to be held responsible. We care about the, the you know, the safety of our um, uh, of, of our citizens. And, you know, we we hold people criminally responsible uh, for committing crimes. And, you know, oftentimes, especially when you're talking about violent people, that involves them going to jail. And, you know, in, in, in Suffolk County, that's that's what we do. We, we make no we make no apologies for that. And bail reform, that is something you deal with every day, right? I mean, you, your brave men and women go out there, they'll arrest somebody in Shirley or Patchog or one of those places, and in 15 minutes that person is back on the streets. I mean, you specifically as a DA, Ray Tierney, that's got to make your job 10 times more difficult. 
Well, I mean, I think it's not only just one law, it's the entire so-called criminal justice reform package that was passed. And the big things uh, in that those in that law is not only bail reform, but also discovery reform. So within an incredibly abbreviated period of time, we need uh, to provide every shred of paper involved in every case. And if we don't do it, uh, it could lead to the dismissal of the case. So it, it adds a level of gamesmanship into the into the, the prosecution uh, and really, really makes our, our jobs more difficult. With regard to bail reform, um, you know, it, we can't consider dangerousness when we make bail applications to the court. I'll tell you, as a prosecutor, the one factor that we're most concerned with is when we when we uh, arraign somebody, we're like, is this person dangerous? Is this person going to come out and hurt somebody? Right. So to not be able to argue that is really, really tough. Jeez. Hey, listen, man, uh, I wanted to catch up with you. I'm glad I did. You're really an impressive guy doing a great job as a DA in Suffolk County. I really wish that more cities in this country had uh, people like you, Ray. So keep up the good work. Uh, keep coming back. God bless you. You're a great American and a good man. Thank you so much. Thanks, that I enjoyed it. Uh, me too. There he is, the DA in Suffolk County, Ray Tierney, making his debut here. And like I said, need more DAs like him. Still to come. You're not going to want to miss this. In about 18 minutes, the mayor of New York City, my friend Eric Adams, talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Mayor Adams coming up at 840. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of mine? From behind. Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my Happy birthday once again to James Taylor turned 75 yesterday. Carolina on my mind. I like the song because my beautiful wife Danielle lived in Charlotte for about 14 years, and her father Peter still lives there. And we go out to Carolina every now and then and uh, hang out there on Matthews Independence, go for a nice fish fry on a Friday night, and one of our favorite resorts in the whole world is in a place called Asheville, North Carolina. It's called the Grove Park Inn. It is gorgeous. In fact, I'll tell you what. The place in Jersey that Leslie Slender hooked me up with, Crystal Springs Resort, looks an awful lot like the Grove Park Inn in Asheville. And we love both of those places. So a happy birthday to a JT, 75 so years why would So why did you leave there? Well, I never lived there. Danielle did. Danielle. She lived there for 14 years. Okay. And smoke. she liked North Carolina, but she was, you know, she, she liked New York. And okay. she came back to, to live with her grandparents. Her mother was tragically killed when she was only eight, Danielle. So, 
Her uh, grandmother, Nana, as we affectionately called her, really raised her, and her grandfather, Marty. And um, Bernie got to know Nana. And this audience, Nana passed away about six years ago. What about the time Danielle ran the Boston Marathon? She was 97, and I loved her to pieces. And she was a great lady. So she left North Carolina, came back to New York, and then went to Morrow High School and because everywhere Met me. I've been in Carolina, it's beautiful. You want to go there so bad, I know. Of course. I know, Come it's love. Hey, listen, that's where they're moving. Florida, yes. Arizona, South, Tennessee, South Carolina. Carolina yeah. North Carolina. I like North Carolina more. Okay. More Jews. Like, Charlotte has a pretty big temple, believe it or not. South Carolina's better for you. It's for the game. Okay. Right, well, Noam? I can, I can visit both. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Charleston, actually. Charleston. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mayor is coming up at 840, Mayor Eric Adams. And then we'll talk to uh, Dr. George Pavlou and my buddy Steve Puchik from uh, the Gastro Place in New Jersey. I should get the name of that place one of these days. It's the biggest one in the country. And uh, this is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. They come in once a year, George and Steve. It's always in March, so we'll do that today. But with a couple of minutes before the mayor, here's Noam with his daily news. Good morning, Noam. Good morning, uh, Sydney. Uh, you know how dogs are. You used to own one. They, you take them for a walk, and they find the strangest things. More than one. I, we, uh, we actually had a pair of Sharpays at one point, Zeus and Sajmo. When I got my first job in New York, 2000, at WNEW, they both died. And a year later, it was right after 9-11, and we were living in a little, little apartment in Chelsea, and 9-11 happened, and I was very sad and lonely, and it was a Sunday afternoon, the Giants were playing the Redskins, and I said, Danielle, let's go out to North Shore and get a dog. And we adopted Lucy, and Lucy was with us for 14 years. She died in 2015. Now, I've got not one, not two, but three dead dog pictures on my nightstand. I'm done with it. Yeah. Done. I hear you. It's a lot of responsibility. We got our dog during COVID because the kids were stuck at home. We thought this is a great way to, you know, sweeten up the house. And it it did. It did exactly that. What's the name of the dog? Bailey. Oh, yeah. is that because you drink Bailey's? Or? It, uh, constantly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, in fact, I'm drinking it right now. Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so you know, dogs find the strangest thing when you mm. take them out, right? You mm. know, when you're taking dogs out. So this dog is out in the woods in uh, North Mount Loretto State Forest. That's this beautiful forest on Staten Island on Thursday. The guy's out with his dog. And uh, he sees his dog playing with something. He's like, what? What is that? And uh, pretty quickly, he figures out that the dog is wrestling with a human hand. Stop. No. Oh, I read this. They found the lady's hand on Staten Island. Yes. That's right. Yes. So they found this lady's hand. The dog probably found it, not the dog walker. She finds stuff all the time. Find bones, animal bones. Yeah, so the alarms are sounded, right? Because there's a human hand. The police come in. They say, are we going to find the rest of the body sure. somewhere else? This they... reminds me of uh, that poor lady. She's come out with Imus. She was in charge of all the beaches and the parks. She was a very well Castro. Oh, yeah, Bernadette. Bernadette Castro. And she would come in, and the first thing I'd say to her, I swear to God, <laughs> how many fingers you find on the beach this morning? <laughs> right. And she'd be like, he's not really funny. I mean, he's, like, oh, he's kind of funny to me. Who, who, who is that out there? Yeah. Who is that? There's no idea how the parks department works. <laughs> Does, he know, right. Does he know how right. I am? You remember that? She used to say that. Yes, yes. So uh, this no, is, uh, reminds me of no, that. My family yeah. runs Castro Convertibles, you complete moron. <laughs> There's no fingers anywhere. No. <laughs> So so bizarre, they find this hand, the alarm bells go off, the medical examiner races in, the police are searching the woods for the rest of what might be a body, 
And uh, they can't figure out for the life of them where this hand came from. They can identify it as a woman's hand and a right hand. The woods go back about half a mile in that direction. I'm actually shocked to hear that. Um, Incidents like that are pretty rare in this area. Very surprised. It's a safe neighborhood. It's a family-oriented neighborhood. Yeah, people are freaked out. So what's amazing about signs is they're able to figure out who this hand belongs to over the weekend. They spent Friday, Saturday figuring this out. It belongs to a 63-year-old woman who died back in 2011. So they figure out that much, but then they're like, wait a minute, how did this hand end up here? She's dead 12 years. Yeah, so they... Uh, follow back and they say, okay, what's in the area? And they find a cemetery. It's about a mile away. It's called the Resurrection Cemetery, a Catholic cemetery that's about a mile away from this forest. And they find out that they had actually removed someone's body from the cemetery two weeks ago. And what they think might have happened was while they were pulling this... uh, No, no, no. Yeah, the while, hand fell off? Well, they think while they were pulling this one box out that they might have hit the box of the 63-year-old woman and her hand fell out of the box oh and nobody God. noticed it. <laughs> this is horrible. Yes. That's why I'm not going to tell you who the woman is because the family's enough pain as it is. But this, oh, we, we, uh, So you already said her name, didn't you? No, I did not. Oh. No, no. Well, you have to say it now. No, I, no. I, I actually didn't write it down just because I knew you might ask <laughs> yeah, me yeah. and so I didn't want to remember. Good job, So... Now the question is, how did the hand get from the cemetery a mile away to the forest? And they think um, an animal might have dragged it all that distance. And uh, that's how it got. Well, give yourself a hand for that story. uh, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. only one. I can't wait to laugh so hard. (laughs) It's going to be like, oh, my God, that's so terrible. Uh, It's always funny until, of course, it's a relative of yours, and it's not so funny. By the way, the uh, cemetery apologizing today, saying the hand will be be put back into this grave uh, today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, will there be a ceremony or anything? Or just just going to throw it back in there? Don't like, know. Yeah, you know. I'd have to ask. All yeah. right. Thank you, Noam. Once again, he's all over it. The big story of the day. Noam is always hands on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is Sid and friends in the morning from my friends? Seventy-seven WABC. Yeah, yeah, I'm out at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the Narrow. But I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra. And since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. I used to cop in Harlem. All of my Dominicanos right there up on Broadway. Pulled me back to that McDonald's. Took it to my stash spot, 560 State Street. Catch me in the kitchen like the Simmons whipping pastry. Cruising down A Street, off-white Lexus. Driving so slow, but BK is from Texas. Me, I'm out there Bed-Stuy. Home of that boy Biggie, now I live on Billboard And I brought my boys with me, say what up to Tata Still sipping my ties, sitting courtside Nicks and Nets give me high five I be spiked out, I could trip a referee Tell by my attitude that I most definitely leave from Hey, 
He is the mayor of New York City, and he's become a, uh, a very good friend of mine. I'm honored to say that, proud to say that. Name is Eric Adams, and he, um, every couple of weeks, doesn't have to do this, but every couple of weeks, comes on this show and speaks to you guys, this audience, knowing full well a lot of you don't, um, don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he says. But uh, that's the type of guy he is and the type of mayor he is. So making his return to the show, once again, my friend, Mayor Eric Adams. And Eric, in that song, Jay-Z talks about concrete jungle where dreams are made of. So with that said, what is your pitch to future Hall of Fame Green Bay Packer quarterback Aaron Rodgers to come here and play for the Jets? Um, well, well, two things with that song. Number one, you should sit down and listen to it one day because that song is you all the way. Man. Yeah. <laughs> True, you're right, man. You that, you're right. You, <laughs> you are right. Especially the beginning of that song. Well, um, listen, I, I think Aaron is a solid player, and sometimes you have to change uh, your uh, altitude to get to the level that you want. And, you know, just sometimes, you know, you've done the best you could at a run at a particular location. It's time to move on to something new. There's many layers to life. It's not one layer. And so if he could come and add to the Jets' chemistry of that winning the title already and bring that to New York, I'm all for it. I'm a Jets fan. I know you are. That's why I asked you that. And, of course, if he came here and did that, he'd be the first quarterback since uh, 1969, since Joe Namath, mayor, to win the Super Bowl, I would imagine then he would get the keys to the city. But if not the keys to the city, what about these vacant offices that you guys are turning into affordable <laughs> housing? <laughs> I know you got a press conference 1130 this morning. Tell me about that. Uh, I think it's a great concept and great idea. We have about 10 million square feet of real estate in our commercial uh, corridors and areas. And here's an, an opportunity where there's a match. Uh, we we are living in a new environment post-COVID. Uh, we, we're not sure that we're going to use all the office spaces. And people are even in the spaces they are using, uh, they are downsizing uh, the square footage. And so if we have a housing crisis, uh, this, is an, uh, this is how you turn uh, lemonade out of lemons. And so we're going to look at that, and we, we're not going to leave any stone unturned when it comes down to making sure people have housing. Well, there are two things about that story. Is it fair to say then, Mr. Mayor, that you've given up on a lot of people coming back to the city, unfortunately, and B, if you're interested in getting that affordable housing, how do you get in? How do you, how do you pick the folks that actually get in? Well, and those, those are both two uh, great questions. Uh, one, we have not. Uh, some of my companies that I speak with and my corporation leaders, uh, they are stating we're 100% back, but we realize we don't need the same floor space. Got it. So we are we're downsizing our floor space because we have flexible hours. Some people are working later. Uh, some people are working through weekends. They're doing this concept of shared desk uh, where you carry in the items you need and you don't own one desk. Uh, they're creating these group settings. So we are in a different place of work atmospheres <clears throat> and is because of that many of my business leaders are stating they don't need the same amount of floor space. And we have a lottery system when it comes down to your question about affordable housing. There's a lottery system that's in place that we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to fairly 
uh, go after uh, the housing that's available. The big thing is, uh, Sid, is that we must encourage all electors to be pointing out, here's a good place to build affordable housing, like Ball President Levine is doing and Councilman Reynoso is, I mean, Ball President Reynoso, uh, he's doing, because we have to build more so that we can house more. Let's talk about this other announcement you guys made yesterday, too, which I like, too, Mr. Mayor, and that is you're going to create some more public space along Broadway, I guess, around that Penn Station, Herald Square area, where you do get a lot of tourists leading up to Times Square, obviously. So it just seems to make a lot of sense. That would be a spot where you would want to do that. I know you and Rodriguez made that announcement yesterday. What's the timetable on that? Uh, we're, we're starting today the first level of that construction is starting uh, right away uh, it's a beautiful concept hats off to commissioner rodriguez he talked about this when he was a council person and now he's actualizing it uh you know pedestrian spaces i, I think that that's one of the theme we we are residents who enjoy people watching who enjoy spaces to read to just talk uh, sit down and uh, engage with people. So we, we, we love this idea of turning some of our street, streetscape into pedestrian plazas and places that people can walk. At the same time, making sure we have traffic mitigation taking place because we want to make sure this, you know, zero, zero, vision zero is not just a concept, but it's a reality. I was thinking about you, uh, uh, Eric, Mr. Mayor, on Saturday night. Danielle and I sat down and watched the Chris Rock uh, concert. Have you seen that yet? Uh, people tell me it's hilarious. It, I didn't get a chance to see it. You got to see it. It's great. He's like, listen to me. He goes, men don't have the power. Women have the power. And he goes on <laughs> to tell you why. He's like, let me tell you something. If Beyonce was at Burger King, she would still get Jay-Z. But if Jay-Z was at Burger King, <laughs> so, but, but, so, the, so the power of women, if anybody gets that, it's you. This is Women's History Month. And uh, the head of your police department, the head of your fire department, and last week, you were very nice. You got uh, Jessica Tish from me on this show, the head of the sanitation department. So if anybody appreciates the power of women, at least in your administration, Mr. Mayor, that seems to be the case. And, and, and many firsts, uh, many firsts in many areas, like the first Korean uh, American to be a commissioner of the small business services. Uh, so there are many firsts that we have around uh, women and qualified women. We just didn't go out and say, hey, uh, we need to fill and check the women's box. Uh, my uh, first deputy mayor, the first the first first deputy mayor was a woman, Lorraine Grillo, who's just a legend in the city. And now Sheena Wright, uh, my chief of staff, and of course Ingrid, who's my chief advisor. She has been with me uh, throughout my entire political career. Her husband and I were cops together. We were in a police academy together. And so you see the women around this administration, because far too long, they sat on the bench, and they've been saying, Coach, get me in the game, get me in the game. And I'm just that type of coach that says, listen, time for you to get in the game. And I'm really proud of the product that they're producing. Now, on the flip side, though, there, there seems to be at least a controversy which you can clear up right now, and that goes back to the Cardi B concert, Mr. Mayor, where Juanita Holmes, the Department of Probation Commissioner, now uh, seems to be at odds with, uh, well, the other way around, uh, Keyshawn Sewell, who, of course, is your commissioner for the NYPD. Although a lot of folks say, not really, it's really Phil Banks. He's really the commissioner, which is unfair to Keyshawn and unfair to you. I get that. But that is a talk on the street. 
But there seems to be a, a little bit of a, of a fight here between Shul and Juanita Holmes, who has since been promoted to probation commissioner. Is that overstated or is that for real? It's a, a palace intrigue and uh, covering in the press. Uh, you 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 know you in this business. Yeah. You know if it bleeds, it leads. Right. And there's you know if you could create a controversy uh, without any, uh, you know you just you know you basically that's the job of the media. You know how do you get clicks? How do you sell papers? So let's 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 peel this back for a moment and just think conceptually what people are saying. Uh, uh, number one, I thought it was brilliant that Chief Holmes is now Commissioner Holmes. Uh, brought Cardi B in to talk to young ladies. She has this thing called Girls Talk. She has been doing it for years. Uh, back when I was ball president, I was impressed with it. She, on her time, goes out and have conversations with young girls and put them on the right pathway with professionals, uh, with women who have made mistakes in life to give them some type of input. And that was the case with Cardi B. You know, if, if one were to say that Cardi B should not talk to young girls on how they should improve their lives because she was arrested. And what does that say about me? You know, I was arrested as a child, and yep. uh, that, was a, that was a learning experience. And so hats off to uh, uh, Commissioner Holmes for understanding, for understanding that and doing the right thing. And then they attempted to state that she big-footed the commissioner on the run in the academy, which is just not true. It, it wasn't uh, Chief Holmes that brought that to me when she was the chief. It was the commissioner. In our normal briefing, the commissioner and I, we sit down, have a, a briefing. In our briefing, she brought up the conversation about the run, and I simply asked her, uh, you know, what is the, what, what are the thoughts of those who are in training? What are their thoughts on it? She said there appears to be a difference of thoughts on how to deal with this. I said bring everyone in and let me hear the different points. And so – Sid, if people are saying that underlinkings or those who you supervise can't come and bring good ideas, that is not how I run my administration. If a teacher has a good idea that's in contrast to what a principal believes, I want to hear both sides. Uh, school children text me. There was a post story of a school child um, thought the principal was not running the school correctly. And it, yep. the, the, the student texts me. And 30 seconds later, later, I responded to her. I told her she needs to be back in school, but I responded to her. <laughs> yeah. That is how I am. I want to create an environment where every clerk, every cleaner, uh, every teacher, every cop, uh, everyone should have should have uh, have input on what they believe their observation should be. And so people made it what it was not. Uh, this was about how do I govern, and that is hearing from everyone. That's my 320,000 people who are in uh, uh, running this city. Let's stick with schools, Mayor Adams. Uh, you came under fire a couple of weeks ago for doing something I applauded you for. So did even Dove Hikind and others, and that is you talked about religion in school. And look, I'm not going to blame every school shooter's issues on lack of religion, but let's be honest. A lot of these kids have lost their way, and a little religion hurt nobody, hurts nobody. But you came under some uh, pretty serious fire for that. Were you disappointed? Uh, no, because I didn't come under fire, and that's what we have to be very careful about. The loudest in the numerical minority is not the position of the overwhelming majority. And just because the well-organized, loud people yell at the top of their lungs 
that's not where America is. You know, this is the country where we say in God we trust on every bill that we use. Uh, after I was sworn in, the last words I said was, so help me God. Um, and two or three years ago, you could not become a citizen of this country without uh, saying, uh, so help me God, at the ending of your swearing in. Uh, uh, Congress, uh, state, so help me God. Uh, you know, we, one nation under God. I, I read that somewhere before. <laughs> I mean, so who are we, who are we kidding yeah. here? Yeah. Um, we, we are a, a, a country of faith. Now, should the, uh, the bishop come in and tell us how to run an agency? No, we should not. But at the same time, we should bring the faith that we were taught. Thou shalt not kill is what I learned in Sunday school. Uh, you know, those things that are the principle of what I learned in my faith, no matter what that faith is. It could be Islam. It could be Buddhism. It could be a Christianity, a Sikhism, no matter what it is. You should bring the principles and foundation of your faith and how you make your make your decisions. So when you talk about specifically uh, with schools, I said, I'm really concerned of what I'm seeing. And, and I, sometimes I'm baffled. Am I the only one that's seeing what is happening to our children? Yeah. Uh, you, have chi- you have China giving our children a version of TikTok that they won't show their children. Yeah, this is a this is a Trojan horse moment if I've ever witnessed it before in my life. You if you dismantle your the children of a of a of a culture or a country, you're dismantling the future. Overproliferation of drugs, access to fentanyl, access to cannabis in our uh, uh, communities with our young people. We just had a young man uh, the other day, um, a, a young teenager under the age of 15, stabbed his sister, uh, who was also a young teenager under the age of 15. Um, depression, suicide among our children. Instagram and social media, media has, has, they have hijacked of what we normally will instill in our children. And so I'm concerned about our children. And I think one thing that is missing is a level of spirituality with our children. And so I'll take the criticism and I'll take the uh, the attacks from the numerical minority that don't believe that we should have God in our lives and that we should be led by a spiritual root, um, even if I'm elected official. I don't separate myself from uh, my spiritual belief because I'm the mayor of the city. I agree with you there. Now, uh, in this story, uh, Mr. Mayor, you cannot argue you've come under fire. <laughs> I mean, Rick Scott uh, said it was embarrassing, the senator out of the state of Florida there's a story in today's New York Post that says Eric Adams wants to send New York City migrants to college for free. It'll cost taxpayers $1.2 million. The story is you want to send some of these migrants up to Sullivan County and paper their college. And now, listen, I spend a lot of time talking about you, Mr. Mayor, and I don't want to say defending, but I do a lot of your policy because, truth be told, I agree with you on most stuff. This one, I'm a bit baffled, my friend. Help me out here, please. Why would we pay for their college up in Sullivan County? <laughs> well, okay, well, first of all, uh, my son went to an Amer- American university. Yep. It cost me over $50,000 a year. Over, I don't know. How, I still don't know how I paid for it. Uh, on on a police uh, salary, it was just it was it was painful. I know what parents are going through right now as they are dealing with college college tuition, and I think this story is misleading. I'm not paying for someone to get a four year degree 
at a SUNY or CUNY or private institution. No, we're doing an experiment with 100 asylum seekers to teach them skills so they won't be dependent on our city, you know, to teach them English, to teach them some type of trade uh, so that they won't be uh, dependent. They would be self-sufficient, which they want. Everywhere I go and I sleep with asylum seekers, there's only one ask they ask of me. They don't ask for a place to sleep, food to eat, uh, clothing. They only ask one thing. Can we work? Can we have a job? <laughs> and so what we are doing is taking these uh, asylum seekers and trying something new of, number one, uh, doing a decompression strategy to move them out of the city right. to an environment where they could learn the basic skills so they can be self-sufficient. And we, we make the same offices to anyone that's in our city that is uh, in some type of <laughs> homeless shelter. We do job training. We, we do this job training. We have free English uh, courses for people. Uh, we, have, uh, we, we give people an opportunity to lift themselves up. But that's our goal. We wow. need people to be self-sufficient. What, what a difference. What not a, dependent on society. What a difference in the way you just explained it and the way people like Rick Scott and the media have represented this. I mean, the way you explained it made a whole bunch of sense. Uh, the way they're talking about it, of course, doesn't. But that's the beauty, Mr. Mayor, of getting you on because the way you just explained it, it does make a, a ton of sense. 60 seconds to go, these pot shops in yep. New York City. What's going on with this stuff? It's brutal. Help me out with that. You know, you know, Sid, I, I am so, you know, uh, baffled uh, that uh, we we have to get this right. And I, I thank the lawmakers uh, that they fully understand we have to do something different. The bottom line is we must give enforcement ability to the city. Right now, we don't have that. Uh, these guys are laughing at us for the most part. And we have to give a enforcement ability uh, to the city so we can go in and shut these uh, shops down. We, we are going to Albany. We've been in Albany talking to our lawmakers. They appear to agree with us that we have to make sure that we can put some teeth in enforcement so we can close, close these guys down. A $250 summons when you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's just the cost of doing business. We have to be more forceful in closing these shops down. What a great conversation. Uh, listen, uh, Mr. Mayor, Eric, I can't thank you enough. That's a great job discussing all these major topics in New York City. And uh, you keep doing the great job you're doing. We'll talk again very, very soon. Thank you so much, pal. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right, man, you too. There he is, the mayor, New York City, Eric Adams. I think he explained away a lot of that stuff. But, of course, you'll be the judge of that. Can't wait to read Facebook. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour right after this. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. Wherever you go. 
the great Olivia Newton-John. The reason why uh, Lewis is playing her right now is because last night at the Academy Awards, which I did not watch, they had an in-memoriam segment. They do that every year. You know, people who die, they, they talk about them, you know, they play videos. So the guy that delivered that last night was John Travolta. And, of course, he started with his partner in Greece, Olivia Newton-John. She died last year. When he was Danny Zuko, and she was Sandra D. And then he went on to talk about a whole bunch of people that died, and then he left a whole bunch of people out. Well, not him, but the Academy did. We went over it this morning already. Paul Sorvino. That is a big one. Big Paulie Goodfellas. You leave that guy out? That's terrible. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Anne Heche, she out. They uh, left out uh, Tony Sirico, a.k.a. Paulie Walnuts. Now, Tom Sizemore just died, but he was so good in Saving Private Ryan, you could have added him, too. He wasn't there. So they left out a bunch of people. Clearly, the two biggest ones were Paul Sorvino and Anne Heche, but they did do Olivia Newton-John. They also left out Bernard. So, so because of that, we're going to rename the studio again today the Bernard McGurk Studios. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Yep. No. The Academy disrespected Bernie. We won't. My late great partner. And uh, my wife, Danielle, the beautiful one, she actually sent a uh, gift to little Colin Bernie McGurk, Brendan and Jessica's son. He's about a month old now. Was born uh, nine pounds, three ounces. So we got a gift uh, on the way to little Colin, who, again, his middle name is Bernard, named after his grandfather. So uh, they're excited about that, and we were happy to send it. Phil, what have you done so far on this show today? How would you rate your participation, your effort? I had to fill out a questionnaire for jury duty just now. Why? They, they called me in. Who's they? The government. Well, why are you doing it on the show time? I can't do that at 10 o'clock. That's true. I could do it at 10 o'clock. Yeah. I did it during the news. You were bored during the Eric Adams conversation, I think. You, just, no. you don't care about that stuff. I was I. You lost me after the uh, after Aaron the Rogers. Ju- uh, yeah, after. See how version. smart I am. I said to myself, "How can I make sure that Eric Adams comes on our show and it's in the front and the back of the paper? How do I do that? I'll ask about Aaron Rodgers. So if the New York Post is smart, the back of the paper says New York Mayor wants Rodgers here. And you wrote that. And you wrote that. I wrote that too. down at one o'clock in the morning last night on my note app in bed. I wrote it down. I said, I'm going to ask him about Aaron Rodgers because that may be the way to get the interview on the front and the back of the paper. That's the genius stuff, Bill, you should be doing instead of filling out jury duty. Well, I'm going to get arrested if I don't do that. So that's urgent. I guess. I don't know what they do. Have you ever been up for jury duty before? I think I got excused. I, I never got called for that. I need to get excused. Life. I can't How did do this. you not get called? Uh, for I don't know. I never got. I never got called. It'd be, for it. it'd be impossible for you to actually serve because you of, would never serve because of what, like your background. What do you mean by that? Are I'm not sure? a felon. I'm not. I'm no, not, no, not a that. criminal. No, you're. Right. you're no. Well, what you say on the air. Oh, I see what you're saying. That'll be uh, two, right. two lawyers go. What? Yeah, Who right. Is this guy? You have a what? bias. First of all, it'll be it'll be hard for me not to know what the hell is going on. In any case. Because I'm just, um, I know everything. Yeah, correct. But you yeah. will well, already have a bias towards one. And... <laughs> well, of course I will. No, yeah. you're going to get yeah. you're gonna get some case with some guy who got arrested for, like, parking tickets. That's, that's, <laughs> most jury <laughs> yeah, duty yeah, cases are true. boring. They're not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, do you know what your case is about yet or not yet? No, I just have to he fill has, out the stupid questionnaire. He hasn't even gone in. One guy yeah. looked at my questionnaire in the juror box because they're picking ones. I got all the way to that point. Yeah. I went, okay, great second day. And 
looking, you know, that says occupation, what you've done for the last, and st- started laughing to himself. So, of course. Right there. I'm like, <laughs> Imus. Yeah. Uh, as soon as it says Imus, I mean, so, Lou, if I tuned into the radio tomorrow, I'd probably hear you on the air, right? It was, you know, and all the other jurors are just, you know. Who, Regular they have, people. They have no sure. idea what the hell's going on. Yeah. I'm but, afraid I might get arrested because I messed up on my questionnaire. Well, how'd you mess up? You I said, lied? I, I you said, lie? No, I didn't lie. Did you lie. go George Santos? I didn't read it, and I, I, I <laughs> accidentally checked off that I'm not mentally capable to uh, to do it, and they said they're going to check up on that. So I don't know I don't know what happens now. I might go to jail. You may go to jail. My wife left the city 80 minutes ago, hope John Nolan is listening, from Battery Park City on our way to, um, I guess that's um, uh, Garden City, Long Island. She's been in the car for 80 minutes she still has 20 minutes to go. So I don't know what the traffic deal is going from New York City to Nassau County, but it is brutal, according to Danielle. Now, talking about jury duty and cases and law and all that good stuff, I think I told you guys that my friend Joe Tacopina, the great defense attorney, who I was told took um, Stephanopoulos to task on GMA and kicked his ass. So Tacopina was on Friday. He's on with me every Friday, talking about this potential bullcrap indictment of Donald Trump here in New York. And it turns out that President Trump listened to the interview with me and Joe Tacopina. Not only listened to the interview, but actually went as far as sending Tacopina a text after the interview because he was so impressed. And it read like this, Joe just been, just listened to your interview with Sid, who, by the way, is a fantastic guy. Fantastic, all in caps. Great interview. Great in caps. Say hi to number one Sid, President Donald Trump, to Joe Tacopina on Friday, just Friday, three days ago, as we talked about this ridiculous case. And all you have to do is hear the names of the people who think the president is guilty of something to know that he's guilty of nothing. Three of the biggest scumbags God ever created. One, the Manhattan DA. One, a lawyer that went to prison. He's a felon. And one, a governor that is so corrupt, she's worse than Cuomo, who played a part in killing 18,000 people. That is quite a trio that went after Donald Trump on television on the Sunday shows yesterday. Here is uh, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, on MSNBC with Al Sharpton. You talk about two horrible people, Alvin Bragg and Al Sharpton on the Trump investigation, Lewis, cut number two. So whatever happens, whether there's an indictment or not, you're going to look at the basis of what comes out in terms of how you judge it to the law. It will not be politics, whether it's one crowd or another, you're going to go straight down the middle. That, that's how I've been doing it for 20-plus yeah, right. years, and sure. I was you know, a public corruption prosecutor, federal and state, and whether it was Democrat, Republican, independent, yes. former district attorney we prosecuted, an FBI agent, a mayor, a deputy mayor. So you have no fear of going after people with big titles, even if they were president, and you have no <laughs> fear of not going if you follow the facts. doesn't matter what party you are, sure. doesn't matter your background. What did you do, and what does the law say? Two lying racist bastards. Here's Michael Cohen. He was Trump's attorney, stabbed Trump in the back, went to prison, committed a felony. And he's the next one talking about Trump. Cut number three, Michael Cohen. I have to applaud um, District Attorney Bragg for giving Donald the opportunity to come in and to tell his story. Now, knowing Donald as well as I do, understand that 
he doesn't tell the truth. Oh, really? It's one thing to turn around and to lie on your untruth social. It's right. another thing to turn around and lie before a grand jury. This so guy's, I don't suspect that this guy's talking coming. about lying, this son of a bitch. He went to prison. He's a felon. When you look at the two lawyers who represent the worst in lawyers out there today, the reason why people like my wife and other lawyers got a bad name, it's people like Michael Cohen and Michael Avenatti who were both involved in that case. Cohen was Trump's attorney. Avenatti was Stormy Daniels' attorney. Both went to prison. Both of them. And here is the governor, Kathy Hochul, last week applauding Alvin Bragg, saying Trump is corrupt. Hey, Kathy, how about those Buffalo Bills, baby? The uh, district attorney must have the evidence necessary to be pursuing this way he is. And I have confidence in his ability to bring Donald Trump to justice. This is a is occurring in so many courts and so many venues because basically he's been a, he was a corrupt president. And so I, I encourage the uh, district attorney to pursue all means possible to bring this individual to justice once and for all. Ron DeSantis was on with Brian Kilmeade on his show One Nation, which I've been on many times, Saturday nights on Fox News. Then we'll go to break. Uh, DeSantis, actually Kilmeade asked DeSantis about Trump and how Donald Trump has called out Ron DeSantis, and what Ron DeSantis thought about that. So this would be uh, cut number 13, Lewis. Ron DeSantis with Brian Kilmeade, courtesy of Fox News, on Saturday night. You watch President Trump come out and try to label you as a Paul Ryan, Jeb Bush type of Republican. Uh, and are you worried about being defined because you're governor and you're not a candidate yet? So when you have a record of achievement, uh, people can call you a name, but that's not going to trump the achievement. And so you know, we've built an astounding record of achievement. The best is yet to come. I'm defined by my accomplishments. I'm defined by leading this state. And I'm defined by having a state, which is the number one destination for Americans who are looking for a better way of life. There he is, Ron DeSantis, still refusing to call out President Trump. All right, all good stuff, folks. It's been an amazing show dating back to 640 this morning. Ron and Santa told us, folks, don't worry. Your money is safe. The U.S. banking system is safe. All the depositors will get their money at both banks. Signature Bank here in New York and the Silicon Valley Bank out in California. He was terrific. Curtis Sliwa talking about Brooklyn at 7.05 this morning, specifically Morrow High School. 7.40, Rich Lowry. 8.25 this morning, Nolan was great. 8.05, how about the Suffolk County DA, Ray Tierney, making his debut on this show. He hit out of the park. And then, of course, the mayor himself for 20 minutes, Mayor Eric Adams. When we get back, March is Multiple Sclerosis Month. It's also Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And every year, my two friends, Dr. George Pablo and Steve Pitcher, come in and talk about the dangers of not getting yourself checked regularly. Colon Cancer Awareness Month. We'll talk to both George and Steve right here on New York's number one talk show. That's me, sitting friends in the morning with Olivia Newton-John on Talk Radio 77, WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Danielle's asking, why were we talking about Morrow High School earlier in Brooklyn? Because last night, 
Brendan Fraser won the Academy Award for his brilliant portrayal in the movie The Whale. And the guy that made that movie is a guy named Darren Aronofsky. And it just so happened when Danielle was a senior at Morrow High School, she was uh, one of the two people in charge of Sing. It's the end of the year. They do a whole production. They, you know, It's like a Broadway play you know, for a high school. She was the female. Darren was the male. And he's gone on to now become a big deal. Black Swan, The Whale. So I did mention Morrow High School because of that earlier. Neither one of these two gentlemen went to Morrow High School in Brooklyn, but they are pillars in the great state of New Jersey. And every year come March, they come in because March is not just Multiple Sclerosis Month. It is also Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, Dr. George Pavlou runs the joint. And then uh, Steve, of course, my dear friend Stefano, who's gorgeous. They're both gorgeous, by the way. He, um, I think You're in charge of the money, right? Chief Operating Officer. Yeah, you're in charge of the money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The money and, and keeping the docs in line. Right. And listen, you do a great job because you contact me every year. You make sure you guys are here. And I'll tell you what I remember from last year. By the way, happy birthday, James Taylor. We just heard his song. Last year, you guys were here, and Bernard was on the phone because at that point, he was not able to come into the studio anymore. He died a couple of months after that. But he was part of the conversation. And... We talked about how two years before he died, he had a PSA of 18, and he did nothing about it. And then he found out he had prostate cancer, and the truth is, is that it had spread so quickly. It hit his brain eventually. That's why he died. But um, he was on the phone with us last year at that time, and all three of you guys talked about the dangers of not paying attention to it, and now we lost, my friend. So I know you can speak about that, George. Yeah, well, thank you, Sid, for having us. Of course. Uh, it's thank a you. great public service, you know, to get a message out, you know, about colon cancer awareness and cancer in general, actually. And I, I think about two years ago, actually, when um, uh, Bernie was here in studio and we were talking r- across this table. And here we are two years later and we've lost him. And this is the story of cancer, unfortunately. It's still cancer is still the second leading cause of death in the United States. And uh, it's been that way forever. It's killed killing twice as many people as COVID ever did. And COVID was basically a yeah. two-year disease and cancer is forever. I'm glad you said that because, Steve, you were just telling me you just had COVID two weeks ago. And I think I've had COVID every day for like the last two years, I swear to God. Um, but uh, you said something important, George, at the break, which was we paid all this attention to COVID as if the rest of the diseases went away. I got news for you, Steve. You can attest to this. People still died of cancer and all these other diseases while the country was fixated on COVID, did that, did that uh, for me, it was very frustrating. How about you, Steve? Yeah, no, definitely. Very, very frustrating. Yeah, the uh, you never really want to run a healthcare system based on just one disease, obviously, because every other disease doesn't decide to take a two-year vacation right. during that period of time. And so, you know, now more than ever, the awareness is out there. Maybe COVID, what COVID did do is um, bring people in. Uh, people are now uh, feeling a little more vulnerable, you know, uh, because of COVID. And so they're paying a little more attention to their health. What, what is the age? I, I always hear different numbers. Um, I think you guys told me a couple of years ago in your 40s. It was always in your 50s. But now we said that in our 40s, men should start to right. really pay attention to uh, colon, prostate, that type of thing. Is, is that right in the 40s now? Is that- yeah. So about a year or two ago, they dropped the recommendation from 50 to 45 to start screening for colon cancer. And 
That obviously is not a good thing when you think about it. But why is that, though? What happened? Well, because it appears that younger people now are um, getting cold cancer. Yeah, but why? Is it because of diet, alcohol? Uh, Why are younger people getting it? Yeah, so when we figure that out, when you figure it out, I'll 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 share the Nobel Peace Prize with you. uh, But but what's funny about that is you would think that that would be part of the way to cure it, is if we find out exactly why it happened in the first place. But I guess that's part of the the problem with this. Yeah, but colon cancer, just so so that everyone is aware colon cancer is the only major cancer we actually get to prevent because we know what causes it it first starts as a benign polyp which is a tumor in the colon and that polyp has to grow for a minimum of five to ten years before it turns to cancer isn't prostate cancer also at the initial stages also completely treatable or is it a little further along the colon yeah you know prostate cancer is probably not preventable in essence but obviously early detection makes a huge difference in every cancer sure especially breast and prostate which are very very treatable in early stages. Have you gone to get your uh, your colon cancer? Do you go all the time, Steve? Yes, actually. I just went uh, two weeks ago. You did? Right before I had COVID. And it's it's just such an easy process. It is? And it's actually the best sleep you ever had. You know, and people make a big deal out of the prep. I drink all the... Two small bottles. The and, night before. And water. The, the night, night before. before. Like midnight. So you don't eat anything. You drink this stuff. You, know, you drink... Uh, clear liquids all that day, right? And then you start the you start the prep at night, right? And, and it's great. When you it's, say clear liquids, you mean like uh, vodka, anything you, yeah, anything Casamico you could, Blanco, yeah, anything you could see through, <laughs> right? <laughs> it all works out. And then they put you to sleep. And then how long are you wonder doing this uh, exam? Uh, what George can answer better. Yeah, so we're, usually most procedures take about 15 or 20 minutes. You're that's own, it? That's it. Yeah, it's a really quick procedure. It's the best sleep of your life. Uh, oh, my God. Listen, you know, no one's, really, no one's really excited about it. Michael Jackson said the same thing, just yeah. so you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he never woke up. Yeah, but he didn't yeah, have an anesthesia. Well, right. Paul <laughs> the same thing, basically, you know, right. Right. pretty yeah, much. But- Yes, but he didn't have uh, a certified anesthesiologist no, taking right, care of him. Right, right, right. Actually, that doctor ended up going to jail, unfortunately. Yes. yes. So yeah. So listen, we're we're not the most popular doctors, you know, on, on the totem pole. You know, we're right <laughs> we're right below pretty much everybody. So right. we've we've got to make it you know reasonable for people. Um, it's you know it, it's pretty simple. I mean, and remember, most patients are only going to show up every five to ten years. So it's not like you're showing up every six months or something. Well, what do you recommend, though? If they're showing up every five to ten years, it's probably not enough, right? Right. So it depends. I mean, so the uh, the recommendation is to start at 45, to start screening, and it depends on what we find. If we find these polyps, then we're going to probably see people back, you know, three to five years afterwards. If we don't find any polyps, some of these patients can go as much as 10 years before coming back. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. So um, do you find when you guys come in every year that more and more people, at least for a week or two, you know, you get that, that push, more and more people do show up based on these interviews because they hear this and they go, oh, my God, I got to get this done? Yeah, that's why this is such a great public service. You know, we, we as frontline physicians don't get very many opportunities, a platform like this, to really get the message out. You right, know? And right. so, you know, this is a great for, you know, I really want to thank the radio station. I actually came up the uh, staircase with uh, Mr. Katsimidivis. Oh, you did? And I thanked him very much. Oh, he's because, such a great guy. Yeah, he is. And, uh, um, you know, to have an opportunity like this to get this message out is yeah. great because, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, look what happened to Bernie. I mean, two years ago, he's sitting here. He was fine. Yeah. He looked yeah. like the picture of health, you yeah. know. And, and he was yeah. said he said he was scared to get tested for anything. He was scared. Remember? He, he didn't like to go to doctors and he used to joke around. But what if they tell me something I don't want to hear? Right. Yeah. And a lot of us are like that, by the way. I mean, I'm not, I don't want the doctors either. I mean, I've, I've never gotten a colonoscopy and I'm going to be 56 if God's good to me in April. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff I don't do either that I should be doing. I mean, I'm. 
I'm, I'm the picture of health too. Look at me, I'm gorgeous. But um, <laughs> I, I don't want to hear anything bad. Listen, I have a, I have an opening on my schedule tomorrow. Where you just say, <laughs> yeah. you come right in. Because uh, yeah. you're about to say that, right, Steve? That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm coming tomorrow. The, the, and when he's done, he won't be smoking a cigarette. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I may be. <laughs> The the other the other thing people uh, patients are always worried about are the financial aspects of you know this and this is a screening tool so uh, pretty much it's covered by every insurance company and and so uh, there are really no out of pocket costs for doing this obviously for the insurance companies and everyone involved preventing cancer is a home run for everybody because sure, cancer course. is extremely expensive yeah so anytime we can prevent it you know both. Good for the patient, of course, and obviously good for the, the people that are paying for it. Yep. Uh, Craig Eaton checks in. He's on John's show just about every afternoon, and he says, oh, great job having these guys on. So informational. So you guys have the biggest gastro center in all of New Jersey. Isn't that right? Yeah, northern New Jersey. Northern New Jersey. Yeah, right. northern New well, Jersey. Well, that's where the nice places yeah. anyway. <laughs> no one goes to the south. Well, you're uh, from there originally, right? Well, no, I, I'm originally from Brooklyn. That's right, but you but lived in... Uh, I did live in Tenafly. Right. I was a bigger star than Siggy Flicker, by the way, much bigger. My picture, my 8 by 10 was in the Tenafly Diner for long time, even before Margaret Joseph's from the West of these people. But I had to leave, and I went to Florida, so I've never gone back, but I love Bergen County. Where are you guys located exactly, Steve? So we're located in Essex, Passaic, and Bergen County, and uh, it's the website is www.gangllc.com, and you could reach us by 1-888-452-0022. Now, Gans, is that What is? How do you spell Gans? G-A-N-J, Gans, oh, Gastroenterology Associates of New Jersey. We gotcha. have 23 locations in northern New Jersey. So 23? Yeah. So but the one you guys are at, that's the big one, but you have smaller satellite offices all over all over the Yeah, areas. so yeah. basically that's the size of our There's group. 40, and 40 docs, 40 docs. Wow, that's a big operation. And, and what the, the message really is that colon cancer is preventable, treatable, and beatable. I like that. That's, yeah. It, if it rhymes, it's good, just, just so you know. <laughs> Even if you're talking about something horrible as cancer, if you rhyme something, it works out well. We like to say, you know, yeah. the saying, here today, gone tomorrow? Yeah. But it's here today, here tomorrow. A simple test can save your life. He's got a whole bunch of these yeah. things, huh? Yeah. That's fantastic. He's like the Dr. Seuss of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, now, how are you related to uh, Maria Pavlo and Dean? Because I keep, uh, they're on my Instagram page. Right, I know there's yeah. some relation there. That's correct. So Maria is my sister-in-law and Dean is obviously my nephew. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. They're great people, too, yeah, just like you, you are. Yeah, the thanks. Pablo family are uh, yeah. tremendous, well, tremendous people. Yeah. You love, you care about people. All right, so one more time, Stevie, give us uh, all the information, the website. Okay, so the website is www.gangllc.com, Gang, G-A-N-J, and the phone number is one 452 Perfect. And uh, if they call today and they heard this uh, discussion between the three of us, what do they get? They got a free uh, lunch or something or a uh, what? What do they get? Dinner at uh, some steakhouse in Edgewater? <laughs> they yeah, get when to- you call today, just mention Sid. <laughs> they, well, actually, what they get is potentially saving their lives. That's all right? you need, right? That's better than a steak dinner, let's be honest, right? That's yeah. what they get. Damn right. It's good to see you. It's good to here. see both of you gentlemen. Thank you both you. look great. You, you guys don't age at all. At all. You either, Sid. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'm getting old. Nah. Listen, I feel I'm, old. Listen, I got to put a plug in for Queens. You and sure. Curtis today were, uh, you know, you know, extolling the all the great people that came from Brooklyn. Yeah. So I'm I'm originally from Queens. A lot of great people came from Queens too. So don't forget about Queens. I live in Queens now. I know. I live in Bell Harbor, right on That's the beach. Right. Yeah. And uh, but no, not as many as Brooklyn. Queens is like not even comparable. <laughs> <laughs> but and a lot of people from Jersey too that are great, yeah. including my next governor, Jack Chitterelli. But uh, you two guys are great. I love you both. Thank you so much. Thank you. And. 
and uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're saving thank lives. Thank you, Sid. Yeah. Thank What's you very much. What's saving lives every day? You guys are great. Seriously, yeah. thank you. I love you both. We're Thanks. doing our best. Take care. You're doing a great love job. Boy, now it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! Good luck. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right, 947 on your happy, very happy, gloomy, though, Monday morning. Not a cloud in the sky, Lewis, just one big cloud. Well, let's look on the bright side. At least it's, uh, yeah, fun. Uh, it's not bright at all, so no, there, there's no, no bright not, side. It's not. Everything's, right. everything's dark. Well, our room is always sunny. Yeah. Yeah, beaming. We're yeah. beaming. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Tim is our contestant out in New Jersey. By the way, the game, of course, Monday edition, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are America's best. Phil Boilers, what's going on, Timmy? What's going on? How you guys doing? Um, we love the Bernie and Friends show. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll sit in Friends, but Bernie here in spirit. Uh, sorry, Mr. my sauce and Bernie. Well, that's all right. We are coming to you live. From the Bernard McGurk Studios here in our wonderful WABC studios. Are you ready for today's game, Tim? I'm ready. All right. It's going to be uh, Movie Monday, so some movie trivia. It's going to be Oscars-themed. Coming off the Oscars last night, so let's get right into it. Number one, what movie won Best Picture last night? Um, Everywhere, everything, everywhere, all the time. Oh, that, that'll work. I that'll think I, work, Tim. Fun, yeah. 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 Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> But same guy, same idea. One for one, Tim, under number two. Which Best Picture winner holds the record for the least amount of money earned in the box office to win the coveted award? Is it A, Crash, B, The Hurt Locker, or C, 12 Years a Slave? The Hurt Locker. Ah, boy. Nice job, two for two. On to number three. Fill in the blank. Yesterday, Miss Michelle Yeoh made history by becoming the first blank woman to win Best Actress. First Chinese-American. Oh. I don't even know if she's Chinese-American. <laughs> the correct answer would be Asian. But if she is Chinese-American, then I guess you get extra She's credit. Malaysian, so we're going to not count that one. Incorrect. Tim. All right, Phil. Malaysian. Two for three, on to number four. Which male actor is the only person to have won the Academy Award for Best Actor a record three times? Best Actor three times. Mm-hmm. Uh... What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Uh, what do I got? What do I got? Um... Oh, I don't got George uh, Clooney. Oh, you don't got it. Correct answer there would be Daniel Day-Lewis. On to number five. In an attempt to go three for five, Tim, name one of the three movies to win the five most prestigious awards at the Oscars for Best Picture, Actor, Actress, Director, and Screenplay. Uh, Titanic. Oh. Your correct answer is there. It happened one night. One flew over the cuckoo's nest and silence of the lambs. All right, Tim. Not a bad. Not a bad showing. It started hot. Ended cold. Two for five. And now here he comes, belching his way into the studio. Our own Titanic. Yeah. Well, how do you get my How many you got? He Hi. is 14 for his last 15. He is on some type of heater. I know, but it's over today. Uh-huh. It is. Check his war. What did, what did this guy just get, uh, Tim in Jersey? Two for five. 
I need three to win. You need three to win. Uh, very quick. Pretty good. Hello. That's really. Oh. I learned oh, a yeah. lot. All right. You ready? Yep. Woo. Number one. What movie won Best Picture last night? Mon. <laughs> I, I, I told every time. Just everything think about it for one second. After. Just think about it for oh, one second. About it. Every every everything always after time. No. <laughs> that was very close. <laughs> Sounds like a Led Zeppelin. Even, <laughs> it, it, I mean, if you were even like, if you were even like a little bit close, we would have given it to you. Yeah. But it, it, everything, all everywhere, over, all at once. You were all over the place. What was Every, it called? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Right. Not everything. No one's going to know the name of that movie in five years. years. No one's going. It's not like Forrest Gump. They're not going to know it in two weeks. <laughs> I know. Stupid. <laughs> they already don't know. That's why the economy's stupid. They, they, they hurt themselves. Yeah. Make it one word. Avatar. Okay, great. Now what do you got? <laughs> Titanic. <laughs> Everything. Oh, for one. On to number two. Which best picture holds the record for the least amount of money earned in the box office to win the coveted award? Is it A, Crash, B, The Hurt Locker, or C, 12 Years a Slave? They all won? Yeah. They all won the Academy Award for best picture? I think. Hurt Locker? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess they did. What was the first one? Crash. Yeah. Remember that? That was um, Matt Dillon and... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. The 12 that was Years a crazy, a Slave. That was a crazy movie, though. It was crazy. I'm going to go with the one in the middle. Okay. Which one? It's a letter B? Yeah, B. Okay. Spectacular! <laughs> you know which movie that was? Yeah. Uh, the Hurt Locker. Okay. Nice. Wasn't that the guy who had to go tell the families of loved ones who died in the war? No. No. No? That was the one in, like, the Iraq. He one. was defusing a bomb. IDDS. Oh, with the special thing. Yeah. Yeah. Something with the war, yeah. Who okay. right now is re- in recovery because he got his tractor went Jeremy over. Renner, yeah. Jeremy oh, Renner. Oh, that's him? Yeah. Jeremy Renner. Yeah, he, he almost died. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the movie. One for two. He's a hero. Saved his nephew. Something mm. like that. Yeah. Uh, from real, a tractor? Real, really? Yeah. The tra- oh. That's why he got caught underneath. Oh, oh my God. Was yeah. it? Man. He that was is. saving his nephew or something. From what? A tractor? From the tractor. <laughs> you an idiot? From what? what? A rogue tractor? From ISIS. It sounds like a, that sounds like a best picture winner. Tractor <laughs> the, the, traffic was, the, 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 tra- the tractor was moving. It was, it was, it was By it. who? It was, it was rogue. It was called the Hurt Tractor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's number three? <laughs> number three. Fill in the blank. Yesterday, Michelle Yeoh made history by becoming the first blank woman to win Best Actress. Chinese? Oh, uh, no. Oh, son of a bitch. Korean, Japanese, oh, just oh, Asian, Vietnamese, those, Vietnamese. What do all those have in common? A- What's they're, that? They're all Asians. They're all Asians. Asian, yeah. Asian. First Asian best actress winner. Are you? But she's Chinese. No, no. she's Malaysian. Son of a gun. <laughs> One for three. <laughs> <laughs> On to number four. No goyim. Yeah. <laughs> Which male actor is the only person to have won the Academy Award for Best Actor a record three times? Hank said it twice for Philadelphia and um, Gump. Uh, very tall. Somebody did it three times. Is he, t- is he? He's a very tall man. Okay. He's a very tall man. Is wow. he? Nicholson did it twice. Show sure somebody won it three times. Yeah. Yao, Yao Ming. <laughs> That's not a bad answer. I was going to say Georgie Murasan. <laughs> he was Murasan. so good with Billy and he's Crystal. He's the first male Asian to win the award. Shaq for Shaq Fu. Um. <laughs> what were one of the movies you wanted for? Uh, Lincoln. Yeah. You're gonna, well, oh, Daniel Day Lewis. My left foot and my. Um, why, could, uh, why couldn't you say like uh, the other one? They're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> could have said there will be blood. Did he win for there will be blood? I, I, think, so. I, I, think, I think those are the three. I know my left foot and Lincoln. <laughs> see, they'd remember that title more than they'd yeah. everywhere all at once. Lincoln. You see my big penis. <laughs> oh my well, God. you arrested. <laughs> all right, in an attempt to win today's game and go yeah. three for five. I saw it on Queens Boulevard. <laughs> Name one of the three movies to win the five most prestigious awards at the Oscars for Best Picture, Actor, Actress, Director, and Screenplay. you got to name one. Titanic. No. 
Oh, no, I got it. I got it. Oh. I got it. Do you? I do. What is it? Saving Private Ryan. No. <laughs> that even wouldn't Best Picture. Oh. It oh had, or I Best got, Actor. Or Best it. Actor. What is it? Now you got it. Now I got it. Forrest Gump. No. That's no. Rocky. No. Uh, yeah, because you're trending in the wrong direction yeah. somehow, even though you got, you're wrong at first. Citizen yeah. Kane. No. No. Mm. no. Yeah, I mentioned a bunch of these. Debbie Does Dallas? No. Well, we don't. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do now? Name my every left, movie ever? My left penis. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Name every movie no, ever? All, all, at, once, all at the same time? The same uh, thank you very much. Yeah. That game was fun. We'll come back and close it up right after this. <laughs> It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Boy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Whenever I see your smiling face, I have to smile myself because I love you. Yes, I do. Happy birthday, James Taylor, once again. 75 yesterday, one of my favorite artists of all time. Great show today. I want to thank all of our guests from uh, Dr. George Pavlou, Steve Pichuk, that was just, uh, they were just Puchik, that we heard last hour from uh, GANJ. Check those guys out today. Mayor Eric Adams, Noam, Ray Tierney, the Suffolk County DA, Rich Lowry, National Review, Curtis Sliwa, and we started at 6.40 with CNBC's Ron and Sana on the bank deal. We'll all be back again tomorrow morning, God willing, at 6 a.m. Lou Rafino, who was amazing today. Hope MJ feels better. Macedonia Phil, Justin Ellick, Noam, the whole crew. Until then, have yourselves a great Monday in New York City. All of us, to all of you. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.